CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, I'm Michael J. Flores. Brian David Marshall. We are in Casa David Marshall. And from uh, one perspective, which uh, you can't see because this isn't like a a video podcast. This is, like the audio, <laughs> this is an audio only podcast. It's not a copyright violation podcast. No, we're not. We're not violating any copyrights. Let me tell you, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away right now. <laughs> put, the, put the captions on. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. So we are uh, doing the Top 8 Magic podcast in Brian's apartment. But at the same time, the movie Rogue One. A Star Wars story is playing on the TV behind us, so we're just going to comment on stuff that's happening. A little bit. The shuttle seems to be flying towards a planet. This looks beautiful. What kind of magical TV do you have? I don't know. It's like a, a Walmart TV. Looks, it's <laughs> it was a, like... This is gorgeous. Yeah, it's I don't really think nice. it looked that good in the theater. You probably saw it in 3D then. No, I didn't. I don't go there. If I can help it. Alright, so there's like a droid and he's just like, what up? The planet, a little kid. That little, that little kid is going to be the main character, right? When she gets older. I, I don't know. I, I, I've only seen Rogue One once. Yeah. Which was on an airplane. Yeah. So, it parts of Rogue One definitely look like a bad cold sandwich to me. And a glass of water. And the inside of my eyelids. So, so I need to rewatch. I liked it. It was fine. Um, I didn't think it was amazing. Who do you think Rogue One is in the Magic of the Gathering universe? Like Adrian Sullivan. He's like, he's like the first Rogue, or no? Oh, very funny. Is uh, is he the first Rogue, or is it uh, Saul Malka? I think Adrian is the first Rogue. I think. I mean, how does Rogue enter the vernacular of Magic? I think I think Adrian is instrumental in the in the introduction of that word into the vernacular. Sure. Sure. I saw Salmaka like two weeks ago. He's been at some events. He played in um, the Star City Invitational that I was qualified for. Yeah, how'd that go for you? Um, Garbage and garbage. Okay. I I was even Steven on the weekend. I think I was exactly even in in records. I went like one and three in standard. I lost the mirror match twice. That was kind of miserable. This is really miserable. I lost the mirror match, and then my opponents who beat me just copied my sideboard tech and my deck, and then like played it. And like they're like, "I'm like, you beat me though." I was like, "Yeah, but your idea was excellent." Is this know? like when you played Waylay during end step in the limited portion of nationals, and then someone went and won nationals with Waylay? Um, Speaking I, of Cabal Rogue, that happened. I know. Uh, I think it's more like the last round of standard at. U.S. Nationals, I want to say 2007, I'm looking over, and Steve Saden is so miserable. He's so miserable, and because um, he wanted to play, because remember he made that red-green deck with Tarmogoyf back when Tarmogoyf was $5, but I think it was either him or Matt Baccio put it on top of a car and drove off, so then he had to play the Blink deck, and he's playing against Jerry Thompson, who built the Blink deck, and Jerry blinks a morph, and it's it's a chroma, it becomes red chroma, which you couldn't cast, and you yeah. just blink it up. Jerry looks up to me and is like, thanks, man. I watched you in the open. <laughs> and he proceeds <laughs> to kill Steve <laughs> with the flip dread. Because the, the blink deck couldn't stop a flip dread of chromas, pro-white, pro-blue. Man, whoever loaned those four Tarmogoyfs to Steve 
was so stupid. Was it you? I mean, which time? So this is like 2007. So this is like four or five years before Bitcoin. Today I was thinking like, hey, if I had put two, man, three, four hundred dollars into Bitcoin in 2012, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. No, you'd be too good for me. Oh no, no, no. I would have been shot by a gangster. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, like I hear this guy's got two million dollars in Bitcoin. Not for long. But a but a but a but a but a. Justin Gary wrote a pretty uh, good, just like primer. I know a lot of people have been really excited about it. Like, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. And he just wrote, a, like, a, just a pretty good primer explaining what they are. I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, isn't it a bit late? Like, now that Bitcoin's like sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000 or whatever, right? Yeah, but there's also other, there's other currencies besides Bitcoin, right? There's Ethereum, there's Litecoin, there's uh, countries that are getting into making cryptocurrencies like China and Venezuela. Really? Like, yeah. Should I buy that? I don't That's know. Hannibal, right? So on the screen. That is, that's, um, like, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, so. He's one of my favorite actors, mostly based on Hannibal. So, Mads Mikkelsen is a scientist. You are an inspired scientist, but a terrible liar. Mads Mikkelsen is great. Did you ever, you you never watched Hannibal, did you? I watched uh, some of it. I just never got, I mean, I think at some point I'll probably, like, buckle down and watch it, watch it, but I never, I wasn't dialed into it on a weekly basis like you, let's say. Yeah, I, I watched every episode uh, pretty religiously. It was one of those shows that I actually watched as close to live as possible without having to see commercials. So Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So the, Mads Mikkelsen's character is, uh, is an, I guess he's an engineer, like an Imperial engineer. And he's, he's pivotal. He specializes in giant guns. In giant planet-sized guns. Right? So like, he's the only... I, so this is what I... There's big, big questions about the Star Wars universe. So... I looked All this right, up so today. I just gotta just put this out there. I have not seen the Last Jedi yet. Okay, I'm not talking. I about am the last, the Jedi. last Jedi to see the Last Jedi. So there are 1.5 member worlds of the of the Galactic Empire. 1.5, sorry, million member worlds. 1.5 million member worlds of the Galactic Empire. Do Six, they all wear members only jackets? Yes. That's kind of cool. Look, you can see them. <laughs> They're wearing members only. Look at the damn screen, right? And it's 65 million, like you know, lane, like you just sundry additional worlds right so think about it like this just on the planet earth okay just on the planet earth let's say you i would be willing to say this i would say that you are in the top one percent most intelligent people on the planet earth okay all right statistically that means they're about not bode well for the remaining 99 percent i'm just saying if you're in the top one percent of the most intelligent people on the planet earth that means there's 74 million people smarter than you (laughs) on the planet right now it's one planet there's 1.5 million planets in the in the the Galactic Empire and 65 million additional worlds. You're telling me they need this one engineer? <laughs> they got that many. Like, oh, we can't figure out where to plug the plug the VHS cassettes <laughs> to play I, the I, instructional I, videos of how to blow up Alderaan. Spoilers, episode I four. I believe there were large sections, many levels of the Death Star that were just blinking 12 on all their all their clocks <laughs> just blinking 12 and then like all of a sudden it was like 1201 that wasn't what time it was it's just like I, I think that you know i think i think you know people are are just you know there's a lot of those nations but uh worlds but they're not reaching all of them you know they're just there i'm just saying they got like a, a large available pool of smart people yeah. to potentially build their planet-sized gun 
like this one dude is like so important that they have to like you know go find him on whatever beautiful looking planet according to your television i have to say <laughs> so all right rogue one all right so so what this actually though is 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 the top eight magic year. This is the year in review. This is the year in review. So we pick this as the movie of 2017. I don't think our... this came out in 2017. Shoot, you're right. This is <laughs> this is we, just on. We couldn't have gotten John Wick two. I we tried. Couldn't... I tried. Guardians of the Galaxy two. Guardians of the Galaxy two. So what is your what's your movie of the year? What's your favorite movie so far from 2017? Wonder Woman. I, I don't know Thor Ragnarok. I, See, I don't like Thor Ragnarok. I, I like. Shut how about this? The how about this? Door. How about this? I merely like Thor Ragnarok. All right. Yeah, it's just roll up the sleeve. We're gonna. There's gonna be blood on. Some I merely here. like it. I think it is an entertaining movie. I think it's a funny movie. I don't think it's especially well done in terms of like making this thing that just sort of moves the Marvel Universe forward. I can't believe we haven't discussed this already. I'm sorry. It's been a while. I, I mean, would, you should podcast more. It's your fault. I would hit you with a magic hammer if it had not been destroyed by Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just... I find that... I found that the humor, while I appreciated it in the moment... Yeah. ...was a little jarring. Like, it was just like... It would just step out of the moment way too much. It was really? too com- It was too comedic for me. <laughs> That's like me saying that oh, a cat's I, pastrami sandwich is too too flavorful. No, it's not because there's a spectrum of acceptable things in a movie, right? There's suspense and drama, and then there's humor and slapstick, right? Whereas what you're talking about with pastrami is flavorful and awful. Okay. And not if you flavorful. think... That the humor is taking you out of the moment. It's too jarring. Yeah, I did. In Thor Ragnarok, you're going to walk out I'm of a The Last worried. Jedi. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about <laughs> The Last Jedi. You're going to throw your half-eaten bag of popcorn and so, at the screen, and you're going to say, Ryan Johnson, and then you're going to be like... I love Ryan Johnson. You should, I love Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson has literally made... If I had a list like 200 movies, he's made three movies that are in my top 200. Yeah, but you have like twelve movies in your top no, no, one, no. That's why this Sharknado. This no, I don't like Sharknado. I've never <laughs> even seen Sharknado. I've backed out my. I've, I've, I've backed out. I haven't said my top five or my top ten. Yeah, I said like you know, just like if I was going to list two hundred movies, like Brick, The Brothers Bloom, and Looper would probably all be there. Although Looper, Looper might be just. I think on I've the outside. only seen Looper. Though. That's the one with um, your ex customer is like Joseph a time Gordon traveler, Levitt. right? Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. He's also in Brick. Yeah. Have you, you have to have seen Brick. I don't think I have. Oh my god, Brick. So Brick was Ryan Johnson's first movie. It's basically he read Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, I don't know what that is. So Dashiell Hammett is uh, a crime writer, like basically very essential uh, to the genre. Uh, and wrote books about the Continental Op. And just had this real like kind of dialogue that uh, really informs something like Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is another movie that's very inspired by uh, Dashiell Hammett. And so it's got this just real, like, kind of very particular style of dialogue. And he wrote a movie with that particular style of dialogue. But instead of setting it in some Midwestern town in the 1930s, he set it in present-day high school. You, 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 I mean, oh my God, this is, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's not Michael J. Flores' favorite movie of all time, but oh my God, is Madman Poet 
in love with this movie. I got, I got you. It's, oh my God, it's so great. It's like, yeah, you just, the, the, the genre bashing that it does. It's like 10 Things I Hate About You meets Miller's Crossing. All right, well, including the star of 10 Things I Hate About yes. You, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So I love 10 Things I Hate great. About You. It's great. It's, it's really great. And I love Brothers Bloom. I really like Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is probably I'm, my favorite. Coen Brothers movie? Well, it's absolutely my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Might be, I might like it. I don't like it more than The Godfather. I don't like it more than Chinatown. And I don't like it more than Jaws. I think I but like it it's more probably than fourth. Chinatown. I love Chinatown. Jaws, really? I love Jaws. Jaws is a perfect movie. I think I haven't seen Jaws since I was actually like that when Jaws came out. I saw so. Jaws. I saw Jaws when it came out. I was very young, and I left. I cried. I was like a little. I was literally. You were like a little. I was, kid. I I was saw literally Jaws in like I was like single digits. I was literally a little baby, and uh, I screamed and cried, and I didn't see the movie for years. Actually, uh, I was too upset by it, and also didn't swim at the beach. This was like, nah. Did I'm you good. see the I'm movie sand. The Shallows? But then I went and saw. I watched Jaws on VHS tape, and uh, it is it is one of the most perfect movies. We should do Jaws, and we should. Did you see The Shallows? I haven't seen The Shallows. Is Shallows it good? is fucking awesome. Really? It's fucking awesome. Really? I actually can't, I'll watch it tonight. I cannot imagine how they got the pitch of The, the Shallows through because there's almost no dialogue in the entire movie. I'll, wa- I'll definitely the watch it. The pitch is just like, Blake Lively goes to the beach, there's a shark. That's what <laughs> that's happens. How, that's how they got the pitch through. Blake Lively goes to I the mean, beach. Yes, Blake, okay. <laughs> Brian, all right. I, it just, yes, Blake Lively is, and I will remind all of our listeners that, you know, 10 years before Gossip Girl, I'm like, that's going to be the next it girl, right? I saw her in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Um. But like you know, I lo- I think I'm probably the biggest Blake Lively fan who either makes or listens to this podcast. Sure, I love Blake Lively. But I mean, Blake Lively is she's a very beautiful woman. But like you don't just say, okay, here's a thirty something year old woman in a bikini. Let's put X million dollars behind this. That's a thing that's on every magazine cover in the airport. Sure, sure, right? Like it's nothing. It's so the the tension in the movie is unbelievable. I'm, I'm already sold. I'm There's watch just it no dialogue, right? Yeah. So, um. You know, I haven't. I'm gonna I, turn this off and watch it now. I haven't seen. You know, but you wouldn't be concentrating on it. Yeah. Right? Also, it's like it's gonna be tough to do. Like, you know, whatever. We're just looking at these um, subtitles that we're not reading out loud. <laughs> you know, imagine if the Imperial forces, blah blah blah, Jenner, so blah blah blah. I'm just waiting for the fight scenes. What is your given name? Yeah, with the fight scenes. This is the. The good fight scene is not until the end. Vader yeah. against the soldiers. No, the good fight scene is um, is is what what's his name fighting all fighting everybody with his stick. With his stick? Yeah, it's the best fight scene. That's the fight scene's great. The Ip Man fight scene. Yeah. Um, disagree. <laughs> I think Vader against the soldiers is the best fight scene. Best fight scene in twenty seventeen. The best fight scene in twenty seventeen. I've got multiple nominations. I'm thinking. Okay, so, give me your nomination. So my nomination is any part of Atomic Blonde where nobody is talking. Because all the parts where people are talking in Atomic Blonde are among the most atrociously bad movies I've ever yeah, seen in my know, life. Atomic Blonde is based on an Oni comic book. Yeah. People, I just, they just don't even do anything to cross promote. It, it's, it's, it's terrible. But the fight scenes in it are great. 
I think it's amazing that they and she she is she is actually might be the best action star in America right now. Charlize, Charlize Theron. I think that Fate and the Furious and Mad Max. She's just total badass in all three movies. You know, it's amazing to me because like she's obviously in Mad Max. Like they they take one of the most beautiful women in the world and then utterly desexualize her in that movie. Sure, but it's weird to me by contrast that this movie comes out years later and she's. She's in her 40s, right? Yeah. They do an action movie that's, at least from a marketing standpoint, just essentially predicated on, like, the overt sexuality of a 40-something-year-old woman, right? That that seems like... I, I, and I'm not saying... I'm not, I love Charlize Theron, don't get me yeah. wrong. It's just like, it just seems odd. That's the... Yeah, the, the, the only odd thing about the movie is that it's just really freaking boring it's not in terms it's of how fine. it's written. The writing it's is fine. terrible. The action scenes are great. She's fantastic. They really came up with a, I mean, because she's fighting a lot of people who are way bigger than her. Yeah. And like, and a lot of times, you, you know, someone will fight and, and the fight won't always seem that realistic, but they really seem to come up with a fighting style for her that involved her, like taking people off balance and bringing them down, like off, you know, away from their center of gravity and hitting them with telephones. So. And high heels. And high heels. Yeah. That really worked. See, I think that, that, that's stuff. So- works visually in a film but if you're if you're just going to talk about like people who are out of weight class i think that i think that you really have to i mean i they do the same thing with black widow it's not plausible that these women can really hold their own against even one regular sized soldier right unless they're using weapons and i mean what are you talking about when it comes to like is it plausible that john wick can hold his own against you know, 40 highly trained Bratva officers. All right. So one thing is it plausible one, that nobody ever shoots Oliver Queen in the face? One thing at a time. Okay. Number uh, one, I listened to an interview not that long ago with Kiefer Sutherland. And he was just saying he would apologize to guys before the scene. He's just like, this guy's a hundred pounds bigger than me. He's like, look, I know if we fought in real life, you'd kill this me. This is like the rock and uh, Vin yeah. Diesel. Yeah. Because, you know, Vin Diesel has a clause in his movies that he can never lose a fight. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so he has these fights. So, like, the, the compromise they came up with, I think, is that he and The Rock would fight to a draw. Yeah. But apparently he and The Rock hate each other because, you know, The Rock's like, well, this is bullshit. I would obviously destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> so, um, uh, but but it's funny. So Keith like, but I win because the script says so. <laughs> you know, because, you know, yeah. uh, Jack Bauer's not that big. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, there's always, yeah. So it's so an argument I was having with someone who got very upset because on the Supergirl show, uh, she beat Superman. Yeah. You know, and uh, this guy, guy I know who worked in comics, uh, and he, he was just like, real fan, super fan, and a big super fan of Superman. Yeah. Did he name his son after Superman? Just wondering. I don't think he did. Just wondering. I don't think he did. He had a, he had a daughter. He did not name her Kara, though. Well, I named my son after Superman. I know. And he, he just got, like, super upset that Supergirl could defeat Superman. Because they have a fight, mm-hmm. and she, she beats him. Right? I mean, but, he's red kryptonite up, though, right? Sure, but he's at full strength. Yeah, but he's red kryptonite up. So, but anyway. So he's just like, well, this is just, you know, bullshit. And I can't abide this, you know, Supergirl. And I'm like, First of all, and, and, and Fabian Nicieza actually agreed yeah. with me, also on the same thread. Yeah. Uh, a mutual friend of ours. Or he's a, he's a mutual friend of mine and Fabian's. I don't really know Fabian super well. But Fabian was like, look, same thing I said, which is basically everybody knows 
that the answer to who wins in a fight between the Hulk and the Thing is predicated on whose book is the fight taking place in. Yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> right? The Hulk wins in Hulk in, books, in and the Thing wins in Thing books. In consecutive issues, right? Like, <laughs> like To be continued in The Incredible Hulk 234 or whatever, right? The first part's in Fantastic Four. <laughs> Seems like the Thing's win- like. Uh, so, like, do you remember when, like, the thing was, like, extra rocky? After he was already rocky, he got more cosmic rays. He was, like, super rocky. And then Sharon Ventura became a girl thing. She previously was, like, a girl professional wrestler. And then she became, like, the girl version of the thing. But, like, dinosaur hide thing, not rocky thing. Sure. Remember this? Yeah, it's, yeah. like, about, I want to say, 87, 89. So, but then at the same time, it was Grey Hulk. So, basically, you have the thing who's stronger than any version of the thing ever. I think he had, like, a dinosaur tail, too. I was like, wait, I don't remember. It was Steven. Who was writing it? Steve Englehart? Probably. Right? And then Peter Davis writing the Grey Hulk. The Grey Hulk could never have beaten that version of the thing in, like, a plausible fight, right? But the second half of the fight was an Incredible Hulk, so he took the thing down. I always cheered for the thing because I love Fantastic Four. But I don't know what to tell you. Yes, you're right. <laughs> so End of your story. Yes, but yes. you're right. And so anyway, Tom, Tom Blonde is, is probably my favorite fight. It's such a, it's a bad movie, though. It was I mean, really, it was really disappointing. Um, a movie that I you don't think Thor against Hulk, man, that's a great, Thor against Hulk was pretty great good. Great fight. It was pretty good. It was and pretty then good. It, it it's just like so, so it's just so CGI'd that it's uh, you know that that takes something away from me. I mean, my heart leapt at Thor versus yeah. Hulk. Uh, also a pretty man. It's a it's a weird movie. You haven't seen Brawl Cell Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine yet, no. have you? Um, make a list of things I should watch. Vince Vince Vaughn is the star. It also has so Vince Vaughn is the star of an action movie. Yeah, is it like a really slow action? It is. <laughs> um, it's a super low budget film. It's really like a grindhouse kind of film. Yeah. It's like a really throwback to like seventies kind of grindhouse kind of films. This coconut uh, Lacroix is how do you say Lacroix? Lacroix. I think John says it Lacroix. Yeah, it is probably Lacroix. I say this is Lacroix good. just because I like That's saying good, Lacroix. Man. Uh, and I knew someone named Lisa LaCroix. But, uh, so Brawl in Cell Block 99 is this weird, low-budget, uh, kind of grindhouse film about Vince Vaughn, who's involved with the drug dealer, and he goes to jail and has the titular Brawl in Cell Block 99, which they eventually get to at the end of the movie. But, boy, is it, it is like... He's not a very good actor. I just keep looking up at the screen. There's like a lot of walking. Yeah, and Star like Wars. Not, Star Wars movies. That's like the sub theme of all Star Wars movies is walking. Not hitting with with lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it's. I think you'll like that movie too. Even though it's Vince Vaughn. I don't not like Vince Vaughn. Yeah. I'm he's, just asking. He's just, he's just not very good. That's all I'm saying. Did you see? You never saw Bone Tomahawk. No. So Bone Tomahawk is the first film by the guy who made, uh, Brawl. Yeah. And it stars like. Kurt Russell and the guy who played like a six-year-old Kurt Russell. Curse, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, he plays a six, he plays an old dude. Okay. And like a bunch of other really good people in it, including like the guy from Watchmen who played Night Owl. And oh, Patrick oh, Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yeah, and just like a bunch of oddball people and the guy who played. Do you remember? Um, did you watch all of Banshee? Yeah. Do you remember the 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 uh, American Indian Native American who's just like. This is like super badass. Oh, like the bad, like unkillable. Yeah, guy the unkill, like basically that they the, kill eventually. The Savage Hulk. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He is like this. Does he swing a bone tomahawk? He does. <laughs> oh, I am 
a sorcerer. He, he does. It's pretty. I could see the. I could see apparently. The I past. watched Bone Tomahawk on an airplane. Like I downloaded it from Amazon Prime, put it on my tablet, and I'm sitting there watching it. And it is one of the most horrific scenes ever put on film. And I watched it, and there was some old lady sitting next to me in the middle seat. And I'm pretty sure she's dead now. I'm pretty sure she just went home and went to sleep and died yeah. because of what she saw. <laughs> just over your shoulder? Yeah, just over my shoe. I looked up at her, and she was just like aghast. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's anyway. not a ghoul. No. She's not a ghost. She was aghast. 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 So but, is this just how you dress it? So I'm at Brian's house. Brian's like wearing like a pullover sweater and like he's got like a like nicely groomed like button down shirt and stuff like if i'm just at home like I'm i was just, out today i'm just in my underwear I was as soon as to- i well, walk- I'm not gonna, if you're coming over i might have i'm not gonna be in my as underwear. soon as i walk into the door my, my pants fall off yeah and i'm just in boxers yeah like you know no i was out today i went i was hanging out with marshall and uh ben sack and uh mark calderero oh TBS, yeah, yeah, and Marshall. Yeah, we went to Katz's. You went to Katz's. Katz's delicatessen. We did. It was insane. I've never seen it that crowded. Oh, well, it was insanely busy. It was insanely so say, busy because, like, in terms of the food, the food's pretty much always the same. Yeah, right? it was insanely busy, and like we probably waited six people deep. There were seven stage cutting stations set up yeah. for pastrami, and they were six people deep. It was like when you say. For pastrami, you mean to get your sandwich made in the cutting station. Yes. You don't have to get pastrami. I, for example... All right, stop. Stop. You have to get pastrami. I have gotten pastrami more times than almost anyone who will ever listen to this podcast has gotten it. That's not the correct play. Brisket juicy. Brisket juicy. So we're waiting online. Ben Sack's like, I think I'm going to get the brisket. Excellent choice, Ben Sec. Ben, and Ben Ben was pretty defined about it. He's like, in fact, I might get it on a roll. What? Yeah, well. Oh, come on. Now you're ruining the story. <laughs> no. So, you just made that up. No, oh, I did get not. it on a roll. Yeah, he didn't get it on a roll. I've gotten it on a roll before. It costs extra. <laughs> so, it's like so an now, extra dollar fifty. So we're, we're totally hedging uh, the lines. Yeah. Because we're going to just you know put it on the same ticket. But I'm like, all right, he's on line five. I'm on line six. He gets up to line five first. Yeah. His line goes faster. So I'm like, all right, you get the sandwiches. I want pastrami. I want pickles. Uh, you know, you get your frickin' brisket. I'm going to go get us a seat, because we had a bunch of people there. Who, like, who's this actress that's playing, what's her name? Jane or so? I don't know. She's awesome. I, I don't, I really, I really, Rogue One is really kind of below my... Oh, this movie's good. Yeah. It's not the best. It's good, though. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I can't, who's she, she's been in stuff, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she's good. Sure. I like her. So and that robot's gas too. So he's like, so he gets now. You know, when you go up to the counter and you get your thing, they give you a little sample. Yeah. So we you you give so Schuler used to call it Olderson, the guy who's cutting it for you. That he's Olderson. Yeah, he's older than Olderson. You like give him a buck, right? He yeah. gives you like you they know, just give it to you anyway. But you yeah, but you give him a buck. But then you give him a buck. Yeah. So he. Uh, he gets up there. He's waiting. He gets the pastrami. He eats it. It's not that, his. I know. That's what I'm so... It's a sample my pastrami, for your that's sandwich. That's pastrami sample, but that's what fine. A, that's what fine. A, he eats the pastrami. Like a regular person can finish one of these sandwiches And he's anyway. like, oh, I finished mine. And I've eaten two. And he's like, oh, man, that's really good. He's like, that's good. And then the guy starts making the brisket sandwich. Yeah. And he puts the brisket on the plate. Yeah. And Ben's like, fuck. 
He knew. He knew he had it's just delicious. made the wrong decision. I want to go to Kansas right now. I'm trying to figure out how I can work this into my life. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in totally the wrong place, right? Like, I'm in New Jersey in Europe. Yeah, I yeah. know how to get home. I mean, you can go to Harold's. Come on, Brian. Harold's? What, what is this? Like a, a 1997 PTQ? Yeah. That's like way the wrong direction. It's 40 minutes the Yeah, it's true. It is, it is pretty far. But anyway, so uh, that's kind of way that. But that's why I'm, I'm sort of, I was out today. You know, Marshall does his vlog. I don't want to look like a bum on the vlog. Okay. Well, um, let's continue. All right. There is an Imperial Star Destroyer. There appears to be some. This looks wonderful, this TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this TV. Is it new? No, we've had it for about two years. Okay, so have we talked about Magic the Gathering yet? We haven't. We haven't. I'm just trying to think if there were any other action films we wanted to talk about or other movies. John Wick 2. Get what? Out was, I think, a 2017 movie. Get Out is excellent. I don't believe it's 2017. No? I thought It's it was... excellent. Yeah, it was great. I was. I really came to it a little late just to, have, to see it, and I was, I was fully expecting to be underwhelmed by it based on hype. But you, you didn't... So if, as long as you don't know what the plot is, I think... Yeah. It was it's great. Awesome it's great. It's it's just it's just an amazing, possibly, yeah, one of my favorite films of that genre. Of Thought it was great. Yeah, it was. Great. Um, Thor Ragnarok, twenty seventeen. It was all right. I liked it. Guardians of the Galaxy two. All right, I liked it. Uh, I like Thor. I probably like Thor better than Guardians of the Galaxy. I agree. 2. I still like Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed. I enjoyed Thor. I just don't love Thor. I don't. I like. I don't have Thor in the tier of movies that includes Winter Soldier, for example. Or is Winter Soldier what, the best? Winter Soldier is probably my favorite. All right, here's here's Civil a, War is really good, but it's it's imperfect. Yeah, it Winter is, Soldier is really close to perfect. Winter Soldier it's it's the most rewatchable <clears throat> of the Marvel movies too. It's interesting you say that because I don't rewatch any of them. I just yeah, it's the ones. most rewatched. Like, Avengers 2 is on. I would just never want to watch that a yeah. second time. The, um, also, kind of, cause we talked about, we never talked about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I finally saw. That's good. It's good. It's good, but it's a terrible Spider-Man movie. Like, if it was just, like, Roach Boy, so, right? I'm interested in your take here, right? Right? If it's First Roach of all, it's an Iron Man movie. Yes! Okay. Well, that's so, my problem. So, so but, here's the thing. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man is my, you know, the way, the way you, you love Superman, I love Spider-Man. I love Batman. Okay, okay well, I the way you love... my son Bruce. The way you... <laughs> Let's get something uh, straight. The way you love Superman, yeah. I love Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man was my entry level into superhero comics mm. as, a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I loved, I mean, Spider-Man is probably the only comic, like, superhero comic that's made me cry. What made you cry when Gwen Stacy died? Well, that's one of them. Uh, but also, very, going back and reading, like, Spider-Man collections, I think it's Spider-Man 37, but I don't remember the exact number. It might be, I, I, I've, I've written over that part of my brain that used to, like, encyclopedically remember yeah. every issue of every comic, but it's an issue. It's a comic early on. It's a Steve Ditko run. Um, Spider-Man is fighting against this robot that learns his moves and continues to like improve fighting against him and has figured out this thing and has just collapsed a big part of the school on Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is just deciding whether or not he's going to live basically like, 
And he thinks about all these things that matter to him. And he thinks about Aunt May. And then he's able to, like, with the thought of Aunt May just, like, driving him, he's able to get up from under the rubble. And it's, like, this entire... That's totally, whole thing, man. Totally manipulative. But the thing to me about Spider-Man that I love is that he is figuring it all out for himself. Right? He's figuring it out. He's like, I'm going to be a superhero. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I need to... I mean, but Rectify. in his, like, second appearance, he beats the Fantastic Four, though. I mean, just don't forget that, yeah. right? Like, was it he's, like, Fantastic Four number five or yeah, something? Yeah, uh, second four, I think. But, yeah, something like the four Yeah, or five. he, like, thrashes the most powerful superhero yeah. team in the world. He, but he's just, like, he figures out how to make things. He figures out how to, how to deal with these issues. He figures out how to just work his way, right? Ultimately, even, like, figures out a pretty successful life for himself as Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Like... He he solves these things. If there's one things. thing that Peter Parker can do, dude, I don't get it. He's like an unemployed photographer. Like, oh man, the ev- every girl is in love with like. But look, Mary Jane is she's the. I, I was gonna say Paulina Porskova, but that's nowhere near what Mary Jane is. Right? Like, <laughs> Mary Jane, like, like beauty level Paulina Porskova in like 1984, but like fame level, like she's, I don't know, like. <laughs> Every Instagram model put together. There's no model that's Mary Jane in the Marvel Universe, right? And she's and Gwen is in love with him, and Black Cat, and like Felicia Hardy, yeah, the Black Cat. Dude, sometimes with masks on. (laughs) Um, Definitely with masks on. But like, but but that's the thing to me is like that 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 autonomy that Peter discovers uh, as he's experiencing all of this is such an important part of Spider Man to me. And they just completely infantilize him with Tony Stark. Like, oh, you're just like an idiot. You got to do what I tell you. And here's this, all this technology for your suit built by Tony Stark. But so that just makes a perfectly entertaining superhero film. That's just not a good Spider-Man. It's just not a good Spider-Man. So let me just, let me just give you a a small counterpoint. I uh, totally accept and understand what you're saying. So, first of all, I love the DIY Spider-Man he has, like, with the hoodie and everything. Because if you think about it, like, I guess Peter in the comic book, he's, like, kind of a, kind of a, also, he's like a Mary Sue, because he's also great at being a seamstress or whatever. He's (laughs) amazing, like, superhero costume, right? But it's better that he has, like, the hoodie. I think that's, like, the hoodie and the goggles, because he still made the web fluid, right? Right, yeah. Right? So I actually think that's cool. He made the web fluid and he has like this, like, you know, put together this pullover or whatever. That's awesome. I actually like that better than if he had, um, you know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man has this amazing suit that you would actually need industrial light and magic or right. wetted to make, right? Like that, that actually, I totally get it. I think part of it is they wanted to marry it to the best degree that they could, which is not probably not accurate. At the point it was in the comics, it's a little bit different now, but point it was in the comics, Parker Industries is like the dominant technology company greater than Stark Industries. Sure. And Peter wears essentially an Iron Man suit to do his spidering, right? That he of his own design, right? Sure, sure. So I think they wanted to wet it to like this, you know, technolic iron uh, you know, iron spider kind of uh, thing, which is what was more similar in the comics. And it wouldn't have made sense for a sixteen year old kid to be able to do that even if he's a genius. Um, so I think that this fight scene, by the way, is my favorite fight scene. All right. So the Ip Man, the blind Ip Man is fighting against all these stormtroopers with a stick, right? The force must really love him. Um, 
this is my fa- just my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, I, think, I think it's the best fight scene in any Star Wars movie. By a wide margin. Oh, I don't agree at all. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I granted, stormtroopers are not actually capable of shooting anyone, so it is a little bit misleading in that sense. So, well, the thing I'd say is, uh, you can take away a lot from the prequel trilogy, you know, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith, but those movies had some absolutely bang-up lightsaber fighting scenes. That fight scene is great. I love that one. It was fine. I mean, I think that I think that Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi against uh, Darth Maul and Phantom Menace is one of the classics. It's phenomenal. It actually tells you so much. Like, it, it visually unveils the evolution of Obi-Wan Kenobi's character. Right? It's, it's awesome. And then, I, I think that people ultimately misevaluate the lightsaber duelist because of this, but the scene when Yoda comes out, like, you've never seen Yoda fight, right? Before that, the second to last scene in episode two, he just comes out. He's just like, hop, he's, he's Yoda, he's hobbling on a cane, right? And then he's just like, let's do this. And he, like, drops his stick and he bursts into the sky yeah. with a drawn lightsaber. Like, nobody was expecting that to happen before they were sitting their butts in that theater, right? So I think they're... There are stuff in the Star Wars universe that are just A plus fights. I, I guess for me, the fight scenes that I really like in general have more practical effects. And so, one of the things I like about that fight scene by, by Donnie Yen there yeah. is that it's just much more immediate and believable. Like, yeah, obviously, the lasers are special effects. And all that kind of well, stuff. He's spinning people around to beat light speed weapons. That seems like yeah, that's well, not whatever. Really I mean, look, yeah, yeah. People also step out of their spaceship in Empire Strikes Back and oh, stand, don't die of exposure. And don't die of exposure while standing on the tongue of a giant space. Yes, slug. there's an asteroid that has <laughs> that has the gravity of of the Earth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm not really. In my watching. review of the Last Jedi on Fetchland, I mentioned that that doesn't bother me. Yeah, that doesn't bother nearly me as much as the crap in the Last Jedi. <laughs> so anyway. But yeah, so that was my that was my take on on, on Spider Man Homecoming. Um, I think that I think, that's I think the best superhero movie of twenty seventeen is either Logan or Wonder Woman. It's got to be Wonder Woman. Boy, one boy, I, I love Wonder Woman. I think she's great. I think that they did a really. It's the first DC movie that they got mostly right. The end. The end scene. It just. I I have such a problem with the aesthetics of the Zack Snyder DCU. Like, where, again, it's the same thing even what I'm talking about here with um, Rogue One, right, where that fight scene is, to me, very plausible because they're in this real space. I mean, obviously, it's, it's all special, but it looks real it's, and grounded yeah. and in scale, and the colors are natural colors, not hyper-saturated Logan, colors. Logan, everything is real. Right? Yeah, and it's, same thing with Logan. It's so visceral. Same thing with Logan. Everything feels very real. And then Wonder Woman, I'm fine with it for most of the movie, but by the end of the movie where everything is just taking place... Well, on there's some, two gods fighting at the end. I like understand, but it's, it's, it's done in such a way that just... I, I just get visually bored. I'd say I get and, and and I find and I find Snyder's vision for the movies just to be. Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. They were all fired, right? What are they all fired? I think everybody who's been involved with the DC. Patty movies, Jenkins? No, 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 no. I meant like all the. Um, Patty Jenkins is signed for the next movie. I meant everyone who's sort of 
involved with the vision and direction for the DCU. Including Snyder? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Isn't Nolan their boss? I don't think so. I, I, I heard Nolan was their boss. Like, he's just I can't paying. even imagine. That's one of the reasons that the dark that the Batman movies work so well. Is they, they are set in a very real city. They have a lot of practical effects. When Batman flips that truck, like, that's a, a real effect that happens. So... It's weird because people think about these DC movies as like, oh, here's this new thing that they're copying Marvel or whatever, right? They, oh, do they somehow forget that Dark Knight came out the same year as Iron Man and that was the sequel? Like, <coughs> the Nolan Batman movies, even the third one, which is way, way worse than the first two, it is, it is, is really a hard. good movie. It's really hard to rewatch that movie. The third one? Yeah, you hate it's, it? It's, I hate it. I actually hate it. I think, I, in very similar fashion that I hate uh, things that I have problems with Homecoming. I just think that Nolan's vision for Batman has veered so far off of what Batman. Do you think would his first do. two Batmans are okay? I think they're okay. Uh, I think I think Dark Knight, uh, the second one is is fantastic. I, I love Batman Begins. I thought it was the best genre movie I'd ever seen, and then Dark. Knight I like I like Batman Begins a lot. Um, again, I just feel like there's this weird thing with Nolan where he just doesn't love the source material. And you don't have to, but you should also not be like, Ugh, which so, I feel like sometimes he does. Step back for a second. I don't understand Affleck's Batman. I don't understand. I don't. Who is he? Is he just a rich asshole? Because he's not a genius. No, I he's think, not a detective. I think he's, like he's, I, I he's think kind of a detective. He, well, he is a detective. And, and, and it's very funny. I, while I don't love Justice League, I don't hate Justice League. Well, no, so you think he's a detective because of the first half of, of Dawn of Justice? But he's completely outmaneuvered mentally in the second half of Dawn of Justice. Oh, yeah, I fell asleep during a lot of the second half. All right, so the first half, yeah, I got it. He's chasing down the Kryptonite. I guess he's smart, but really, like, the second half, he's an idiot. Like, it's, so he, it, it's super inconsistent. My, my, favorite, um, my favorite line from in any film that's ever had Batman is in Dawn of Justice. And if you don't want, if you haven't seen the movie or Just don't want to say hear it. it. Um, you know, they're about to go in and fight Steppenwolf or Steppenwolf's minions or whatever. And No, this is Justice. Dawn of Justice is Batman vs. Superman. Oh, no, I hate that movie. There's nothing I like in that. I'm sorry. I know <laughs> Justice League. Oh, I know what scene. That's a good line. Yeah. And yeah, and they're, they're getting ready to go in. And Flash has never, never done anything never yet. He's anything never fought. Super. He's never done anything super. And he's really nervous. And he's like, I'm too scared. I don't know what I, what should I do? And I just don't want to, you know, and Batman just looks at him and just says, Save one person. And to me, that was the best. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That was like the best <clears throat> screen representation of Batman outside of a Bruce Tim helmed cartoon. That's great. Yeah. But I, I mean, love it. But I, th I think he's, I think the Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne is just a little bit, someone who's a little bit tempered and has maybe a little humility uh, and is a little irreverent. But he's, the thing that I don't like about him is, he seems so overly reliant on military gadgets. Like, fine, Batman, yeah. Batman's a gadget user, fine, but, like, not tanks and machine guns and, like, it's, it's one thing, like, if you're, if you're, like, Grant Morrison writes a great range of Batman, right? Like, he writes Batman who could be swinging a sword, he writes Batman who could be chasing somebody down in the desert. By the way, it drove me crazy when I watched Rogue One to figure out who that was actor wise yeah the guy you're the guy in the white coat you're yeah yeah, yeah yeah i forget what character he is i can but he's um the did you watch uh did you ever watch 
Netflix show, uh, Set in the South, Sissy Spacek. Oh God, why can't I think no. of the name? Blood Bloodline. No, he is like the 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 black sheep of the family in Bloodline. He's so good. Yeah, my wife watched it. I never watched that. Um. So, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. So is the name of the actor. <clears throat> But he's just, anyway, so reliant on military gadgets. They're shooting everybody, you know, with guns. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I, 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 I think they were trying to evoke the Dark Knight Returns version of the Frank Miller yeah, Batman, who's yeah. an asshole, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Frank Miller Batman is, uh, I'm the, what does he say? His, his catchphrase is, I'm the goddamn Batman, right? Right. Like, so he's like hard-nosed, but Frank Miller still understood Batman. He wrote, he wrote year one. Arguable. Arguably wrote year one, okay? Yes. Which is at least arguably the greatest Batman story of all time. Yeah, Dave Ramez Kelly had a pretty large hand in both of his runs with Miller on year one and, and Daredevil. on Daredevil, Born Again, yeah. So, regardless of who gets the credit, right? I know, I know where I'm giving that credit. Okay. <laughs> he understands the character, right? Sure. But it's the same guy who wrote All-Star Batman and Robin, which is just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that if that hadn't gotten canceled, maybe yeah. we would have understood that there was a vision at the end of it. And I've, I've read some really like, interesting speculation, actually, about where it was supposed to go, but it just got canceled. And then it would have made sense. And, you know, Dark Knight Returns is, is a seminal. Yeah. No, is I, sem- I, but, like, but the Batfleck is like, I, he doesn't have... Well, he's already checked out of the role. He's gone from the role already, right? Like, he announced he wasn't staying with it. So are they rebooting the universe? What no, they? they'll just replace him. It's As like an James, actor? just like James Bond. But you can't replace. Well, I guess him. they reboot James Bond every time, technically, with each new actor. But I don't know. No, no, no they, they don't reboot James Bond every time. Well, they sort of do. I mean, Felix Leitner has died in multiple movies. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, they had the same M yeah. going from Timothy Dalton to yeah. to uh, to uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, but I, I love. Uh, I, I loved I loved Wonder Woman, but I don't think it's I don't I and I think part of it was relief that they got it right that it was a, a really strong female character that Gal Gadot was fantastic. I think for me, I think it just get points because they did such a good job with a female led movie. Yeah, yeah, all of it's those points. points man. I just don't think I actually think that the underlying movie suffers in the in the third act, and I wish it was I wish it was a little better. I think that she deserved a better supporting cast, and then she didn't I, get it. I like Chris Pine a lot. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big Chris Pine fan. Chris Pine fan. I think he's been good in a lot of things, and I thought he was fantastic. In this. But they, I mean, they dead ended Trevor, right? He, his story is over, right? Like Steve Trevor's still in the comic books, right? Maybe he's like an do, Argus or something. Maybe they could do Agents of Argus with Trevor, yeah. with Steve Trevor, like they did with yeah, so <laughs> like they so did like, in the Captain America universe, yeah, like Captain America's up in his girlfriend's granddaughter now, like that's how they run it. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So I, I it's like yeah, multi generation. I think, I think Logan. I think Logan is my favorite superhero movie. Logan of the year. I like a lot. It's really, I I I don't know. May, tell me what criticism I deserve for thinking this. Um, that freaking explosion. Yeah. Um, so I I don't just look at these movies as movies, right? Most of them are movies that exist in some greater continuity or context, which is represented by the other actors that are in the movies. Sure. Yeah. That there were movies that came before. Yeah. Like, Logan is the nth movie in it. Um, I guess Jackman is actually, this is the most sustained role anyone's ever played, right? He's played the same character for over 20 years. Yeah. That's a 
no one's ever done this. I, I guess it's like, I guess he's done now, right? But, right. Um, but it, I, I have a hard time. It's like, you can't, well, we actually know there's an, a different end point from what happened in Days of Future Past, right? Like, that's, I was like, how, how am I supposed to look at this? And I, and I just kind of think, well, are there are multiple universes because of, because of what happened between Days of Future Past and X-Men 1 and, I don't know that 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 kind of stuff just has me scratching my head. It just limits my enjoyment of it. Just like Doctor Strange, I just can't get behind Doctor Strange. It's probably a fine movie. Did you like that one? Uh, Doctor Strange is like a replacement level Marvel movie to me. It's like Ant Man. I liked Ant Man. It was uh, no, fine. No, no, I, think... I don't. I don't really remember. I I I like Doctor Strange, but I don't love it. And the stuff, the comic stuff with the cape, the goofy cape shit just kind of i, I think the me. only one i like less is thor 2 which is really bad thor dark world's horrible um i think i have i have this one just right next I, i'm actually not sure because age of ultron's not good iron man 3 age of ultron's and... fine iron man 3 has its moments it's not good um i mean x-men apocalypse is i mean it's not mcu yet <laughs> talk about that is i'm just talking about marvel movies it's really bad all right so the problem i have with dr strange is it presupposes a universe where there's all these sorcerers just walking around right and they're all like infinitely powerful magic users like all of them and they're just walking around the whole point of the mcu was when well they're infinite when tony made that suit he was doing he was realizing the vision of alan moore Alan Moore stated there's like whatever the laws of superhumans are in in Marvel Man. He said one of the fundamental laws of superhumans is that there's never just one. So when when Tony emerges, that begins the age of super in the Marvel universe. Sure. So if there have been thousands of wizards, then the whole story we're seeing unfold isn't even special. Anymore. Well, except that the wizards are generally supposed to be fighting, doing stuff behind the scenes, shaping, moving. They are playing basketball. With magic, they are shown. You know, yeah. they got a tight jump shot. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't love Doctor Strange, but I mean, I, I also have no problem with there being a stuff that happens behind the veil. You know, in the in the yeah, MCU, I, I, I think it just kind of undoes what's what we're supposed to be seeing unfolding yeah. in in the Marvel universe, and I think that's kind of what makes it special is that none of these movies are in isolation; they're all sequels of each other that are held together with post-credit scenes right yeah yeah. like you, you call a movie the avengers but it's really the guardians of the galaxy movie right like this is captain america 3 starring hawkeye you know? right, like, yeah um so yeah i, I think that's uh I, I don't like it don't like it do you th- okay do you think infinity war is going to be amazingly good like the trailer looks or is it going to be a train wreck disaster boy does it look good it wow. looks phenomenal. This is this is that's all Hickman, you know. They took like Hickman's whole thing and they made they made um they made uh Hickman's Infinity. That's what it looks like to me. Um like Yeah, I'm I'm just hoping I, I'm just keeping my finger. I like and it's so funny too because all of that all the Infinity War stuff, Infinity Gauntlet, anything like that, that's all just kind of like after my peak nerddom for comics. Yeah. Like I already was just like, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet stuff came out with Ron Lim, right? Like that first one. And I was just George like, Perez. Which, oh, his second one was Lim? No. George Perez was the illustrator on Infinity Gauntlet, but then he quit 
Oh, and then Romlin finished. I think after issue two, that's and what then finished. Yeah. And then the future stuff they was Starlin. Yeah, whatever. Like, but I but I was already <clears throat> I was already just like, ugh, this is just some big mar you know what I mean? I was just like, whatever. Oh, I'm but like, I was just all bought into crossovers. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was already Well, you were thinking like you worked in comic book store, so you saw the zipper. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I totally saw the zipper. Godzilla's not scary if you've seen the yeah, zipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So I was just I was a little over it already. But like I love Kyle, Jim Starlin's like my, I love Jim Starlin. I love all the cosmic stuff. So if they can pull it off, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, but it seems like it's cast. I love most of these characters. Cast too big. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly gonna be one of the problems. That's, I mean you know when you look at Marvel in general, that's been one of the problems that they've faced. DC has always done a pretty good job of maintaining a little bit of like specialness to superheroes but i think look at civil war is a good example there's tons of i think they all get at least a good good enough moment even spider-man who's a newly newly introduced character he gets his gets a good moment you yeah know? but you're, you're getting too much like that's the problem is you can't have you're not going to get these actors to show up unless they get their scene and like if everybody gets a scene that just that's just taking away from some component that's going to really drive maybe the they're all ensemble movies and they just have different titles yeah. like I, I i i'm not well i think we're certainly moving in that direction i mean thor ragnarok is certainly an ensemble movie that you know it's a it's like a thor and hulk buddy movie yeah or i guess also like a thor and loki buddy movie and thor hulk and doctor strange like yeah it's i mean i i can't believe they break the hammer that's not even a spoiler it's in the commercial yeah i'm so waiting for them to fix I the did, hammer i did i did gasp when that happened like but see, I love, but 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 I love that. I I actually love the idea that Thor's power. Okay, is... I'm telling you that scene. I cannot. That's my one of my favorite scenes in any movie. With the Are you the god of hammers? <laughs> I mean, like I'm just like, oh my, that's so awesome. She's what are you, the god it. of hammers? Yeah. And you're just like, f no, I'm not the god. And you're just like, what are you the god of again? And she just calls the thunder, freaking yeah. roasts her. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's actually just an all-time great movie in there that that got a little lost. I mean, I, I Hemsworth think... said he didn't want to do the Thor anymore if he couldn't play him like more human because he's like Thor's kind of just like this. I'm fine, I'm fine with, I'm fine with him being human. I'm just saying, I think it, it could have been. But they just like wrote Jane Foster. You know, cause Jane Foster is Thor in the comic books now. Right. So I mean, they just had to. Just maybe they're off. just saving her for. You know, she's gonna off. pick up hammer pieces. She's gonna walk by, pick up pieces of the hammer. It's gonna Maybe. come back together for her. Maybe I don't know. All right, so we haven't we haven't talked about any magic, and it's been it's been kind of a like. I, I mean, I don't know. I know you. I mean, Ixalan's been a little bit of a downer. Um. Uh. Just in general, like it didn't it didn't shake things up enough to like energy was such a powerful mechanic over the year. I thought of. That that Ixalan, you know, you were really hoping that Ixalan was going to change Ixalan was great. Yeah, a lot of good decks to play mono red. Um, various blue white decks, you know, this monument deck, second sun deck. But they were, uh, you know, a lot of really interesting things you could do. Like, really, I just love mono red. Um, Teamer was, this Teamer is exactly the same as it is. Right now. <laughs> I mean, very much variation at all. I guess some of the Teamer decks play Vraska in the sideboard. That's about as much variation as we're going to get. Scarab God was already printed, right? Yeah. So, um, I thought, anyway, I thought the pre-Exelon standard was great. I think that uh, post-Exelon standard is not an improvement. Um, yeah, we just, we just had... Energy's I think overpowered. I think we've just had too much of it, too. Energy? 
Just the, just this for, this format. I feel like we've just been no, here a little too long. Yeah, it's got like eighteen in, more months of these cards. Interminable. Um, what what's your favorite? I mean, I guess you don't actually have an opinion on this. Do you have an opinion on draft format of the year? I won the Exxon pre-release. <laughs> I, uh, I I opened a bunch of really synergistic red and white cards. I attacked my opponent. I had four pious inter- interdictions. I, think. Yeah, I had four exactly. in my in my sealed deck. I had two of the the deal four to creature or player, and I had a boatload of fast red and white creatures, and I had Huatli. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. I I believe I three oh six owed. Yeah, Calcano loves actually loves this draft. <clears throat> I know a lot, a lot of people are a little tired of it, but for me, the draft format of the year is Hour of Devastation. Uh, I'm on cat. Hour two, of two, pa- two packs of Hour of Devastation, one pack of I'm on cat. That draft format is. Possibly top three draft formats all time for me. I went one and three in that pre-release. Yeah. That was the extent of my limited play. Yeah, I smashed you at that pre-release. Probably everyone. You had did. you dropped a Wrath of God on the table and I couldn't read it because it was an invocation or something. <laughs> uh my favorite draft format of all time, I think, is M eleven, followed by Urza's. Yeah, this and is any Urza's. Uh, I, I feel like if you haven't played that draft format, it's 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 super fun. You get to do a lot of things. People like Innistrad, right? Now. I like Innistrad because of spider spawning. You never, you never double backered in Innistrad with me. No, I. You know, I don't play much limited. Yes, I have so many packs because I win packs in all the tournaments I play in. There's piles of packs in my yeah. bedroom. And Satan and I played every card we drafted once in the eight four. What cube. am I talking about? Was there? I. Five one to Pro Tour format. <laughs> that must have been a great Pro Tour. <laughs> was that M? Yeah, but that's not that's, M Magic Origins. Yeah, that's not this year though. No, no, you said which is like an yeah. all time favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I like M eleven the best though. I was just invincible at that format. Yeah, but as you can see, my my liking of a format just correlates with how well I my win percentage is. Yeah, it's funny. I've been winning. I've been winning a lot in Ixalan actually, but I, you know, it just I just it just hasn't felt very. Uh, it hasn't felt like there's a lot of magic with training wheels on. It, it just hasn't felt like there's a lot of secrets to reveal. I'm really hoping that. I mean, and, and to be fair, Amonkhet triple Amonkhet draft was not <coughs> my favorite format either. But when Hour of Devastation got introduced, it really turned it around into one of my favorite draft formats of all time. So I'm hoping that Rivals Rivals Ixalan is. Uh, has that possibility we talk about doing this all the time and literally have never done it which is to do like a remote podcast from like when you go to do coverage at like a pro tour or grand prix it's like it's like you know 11 p.m on saturday night like what's going on yeah like, yeah we always talk oh let's do it you're like yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. so you want to do that from rivals well i maybe that's i would love to do that every time but that's a separate i was going to ask you what's your favorite moment from coverage this year Oh, it's pretty easy for me. Um, Calcano making it's Calcano. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, I mean, also Mark Mueller cursing is like that's like my weird. Uh, that's your Harambe that's, meme. That's my <laughs> weird meme moment. Like, it's just like like really bizarre. Like, people come up to me with playmats with my face on them all yeah. the time, and I'm signing them, and it's really strange. Uh, and I like it. I mean, I've embraced it. Like, you know, we've talked about that before. But that's that's just kind of a cool moment. But like personally, just like. I mean, you know this, right? Like, this is back when you were playing all the time at Neutral Ground. We were all there. And Calcano was playing, like, I think he was playing Versus, right? Like, I think he started as a Versus player. He might have been a Yu-Gi-Oh player. I don't even remember what he was playing. But, you know, we all sort of collectively as a group 
Saw both him and Matt Ferrando. Well, Calcano was the first mock potential. I know. Top well, we, eight magic mock potential. But we both champion. saw him as, as being, them as being like, oh, you guys are good deck builders. You're good gamers. You should be playing magic, right? They were the people we singled out as, commu- as a community to be like, oh, you guys should just, you'll really be good at magic. And to watch that sort of 10-year arc for Calcano and to, for him to get into the top eight of a pro tour after working at it so hard. Coming, and coming so close so many times. Is he just a pro magic player 100% now? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does. And he's, you know, it was just really like this kind of special moment. And, uh, you know, even for us, like, you know, we were on the he's news desk. He's Ryan, right? Yeah, we were on the news desk. And I'm like, we didn't have a segment scheduled that round. And I'm yeah. like, guys, I'm just telling you, there's no way I'm not doing a segment this round. Like someone who I've just known his entire career just made the top first top eight of Pro Tour. It's this really important moment. I just want to be there and I want to share that with him. Um, it was pretty, it was just really, really special. And I, I just, I love watching it. And it's so funny. It's, I think, I think he might be, Chris Calcano might also be the most impactful drafter of the year. I think he really changed the way people have drafted like the six. His level. slither deck. And... Well, well, the, this, well, that, that was, he was taking advantage of his teammates. Uh, you know innovations on that front, but he really has like in the in this draft format in Ixalan, he's really like this idea of Grixis or is the idea that Mark of the Vampire, Swashbuckling, and One with the Wind are great cards for him. You know cards that he picks very highly. Where I think the traditional mindset of a Magic player is that if you're gonna put eggs in a basket, right, you're gonna smash it. You're gonna get the two for one, and like he's really been someone who's just sort of. Looked at a lot of different ways to play limited over the last year. So there's some people looking at some other people. Yeah, this is not super compelling to talk about. Well, we, we, <laughs> because we're we're talking about magic. If we were just narrating the movie, we would have other things to say. Yeah. Here's so, a, maybe next time we should do either a horror movie, so we'll be scared the whole time, or a teen sex romp. <laughs> so we'd be like, well, she really could, you know, have used some better father father. <laughs> Does your dad know that you're wearing those cutoff jeans? Probably not, but now he does. Now he does. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite magic moment of the year? My favorite magic moment of the year. Uh, I, I mean, I like Jerry winning that pro tour. I, I mean, that's I a, that's that, a that that would definitely be my moment if it wasn't for Calcano. I like that. Um, it was pretty exciting, and just the way he handled himself after that, you know, with all the stuff he did in terms of... I, uh, actually, it's going to sound horrible. Yeah. Um, the Uh-oh. pro tour that, that Paulo won, Yeah, where his opponent uh, misses up yeah, the sequence. Chun, yeah, Chun, yeah. I actually, because I think that that is, it's this kind of pivotal, teachable thing, like, you're playing with all, you know, every, this is a bazillion amount of leverage. It tells you that anybody who you've never heard of can be the best player in the world. Yeah. But doesn't for whatever reason. Sure. Right. But the variables are in his hand. Right. And it also tells you that no matter how bad it looks right now, you've gotten through worse. Yeah. Paulo from that spot is dead. Yeah. He is dead and his opponent draws the right thing. There, it could not look worse. Yeah. And he got through it and won the Pro Tour, right? Yeah. Wait, so I actually real- think that might be the... Because it's all the stories. I'm going to say, like, unknown dude could have beaten the best player in the world, right? 
you know, yeah. whatever. Top yeah, yeah, three, yeah. What, I don't know what number you own Apollo at, right? Pretty high. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, oh, he's not as good as, oh, he's not as good as, oh, fine, whatever. They're, they're all really good, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, like, he could have done it. That means you could have done it, okay? That, that's one thing. But he didn't, right? Because this is hard. This is a hard thing. It's not easy to have a million people looking at you on camera, even when you draw the card you need, you know? Right. And, but I think really from the other side, no matter how bad it looks, you get through Still it. a chance. Still a chance. What's really funny is I remember talking to Apollo after the quarterfinals, right? And he's playing Seth Manfield. And he's lost the first best of five. Yeah. He's lost the first two badly. Like, Seth has just rolled him. And it's game three. He's on the play. And he has to win three in a row. He has right? to win three in a row. He's on the play. And he mulls the five. Right? Like, how crazy is that? And it's like, well, Paulo, what were you thinking about right there? And he's just like, well, I was writing my tournament report. <laughs> he's like, I'm literally waiting for the cameras to let us start playing. And in my brain, I'm like, okay. So I didn't really get all the way there, guys, but it was a good tournament. And let me thank my teammate. You know, and he's thinking about who he needs to thank in his tournament report. And, you know, and so like to go from there to then have that moment and then to, and then to, to win, win. The, and then right. to win is pretty amazing. And, one of the things I thought that was really gracious of Paulo, uh, we did an interview. I did a little video segment with Yan Wing Chun at the next Pro Tour, the last Pro Tour we just he had. He did well the next one, right? He did well. Yeah, but we did a video segment before the thing just talking about that moment. Yeah. We talked about it. We it must have been hard from his perspective. Yeah, and, and, but he was, he's, he was a very good sport. He signs Hazarettes all the time. But you know what? To have been there at all. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. The, well, is that was, the... And that was his takeaway, ultimately. Uh, and he sounds out, but he, uh, we were talking, and then I asked Paulo, I also did an interview with Paulo in that segment, to get, like, what was going on in your head. And the thing that Paulo talked about was, he's like, look, you know what really stinks is we all make mistakes when we play Magic. He's like, he, he made his mistake at the worst possible moment. Um, just, like, the worst possible situation. He's like, I was playing in Sam Pardee in the finals, He's like, I've got a Chandra in play. I've got four lands in play. I've got a land in my hand that I haven't played. I tick up Chandra, and immediately I'm like, oh my god, if I reveal glory a glory bringer, I have just like screwed up so badly because there's no window to play the yeah. land and then play the glory bringer. Did he reveal a glory bringer? He didn't. That's yeah. the thing. And but he's like, but he's like, this is arguably. A as, worse mistake. Oh, as just as big a mistake at the very least. Because you can't even play a land off of the Chandra. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. He's just like I just screwed up, but I didn't get punished for it, and therefore nobody kind of saw it. Right. There was no consequences to that mistake, but it was a mistake, and it could have had, it could have been the difference between me winning and losing that tournament. That's actually just, uh, just from my own recent play. Like I, I play. Boros burn a lot in modern. I think a lot of people know that. And I had a pretty good run, you know, recently. I lost in the finals of PPTQ. That sucked. Um, but, you know, then I, I easily exoed Star City Regionals. And I made the horrible mistake of drawing the last round instead of just playing and losing. Uh, I, I lost to Tron in the round of eight uh, just because I was going second, which is, you know, yeah. seems silly, but that's actually why you lose in modern. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, that's a great matchup for red, right? right. So um, I lost with a triple Monastery Swiss Spear, 
triple lava spike hand, which is almost impossible to do on the play. <laughs> you can't, can't um, lose it. But so anyway, I'm like, so I, I think I'm pretty good at the red deck because it's pretty much all I ever play. And I was, I was playing Invitational Weekend against Four Color Control, and my opponent casts a, you know, flashback, a six casting cost. Uh, mystical teachings, and I've been just milking my hand. I know how to, I I know how to Donlin this game, right? Yeah. I'm gonna launch all my spells, right? You know, when when I have a window, I'm like, oh sweet, he's tapped out. Here's my window, and I hurled my hand at him, right? And and then he's like, all right, takes a ton of damage, right? Takes twelve or whatever from my hand, and then he just goes get Blessed Alliance, untaps Blessed Alliance, Snapcaster's Blessed Alliance. Like if I just let him search for his card instead. Probably would have won the game, right? I'm like, well, I'm like, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do this? I would have gone to Spencer's Revelation, right? And I would have revelated the next turn. And I would have just blasted him with a skull crack right. the next turn. Why it would have been tapped out again, right? right. So, so instead I had to climb 10 life back that I did not have to do, right, right? Right, right. And I never had another window to like, I had three skull cracks in my hand, actually, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can hold a skull crack for his blast, but there's just no. He's just not going to play with his pants down again yeah. after that, right? Because, yeah. so I mean, I think like if you're on the outside looking, in, you're like, oh yeah, you got a little unlucky. Like you know, you just your offense didn't come out. That's true, my offense didn't come out that game. I should have won, right? And I, if all I had to do was wait for him to resolve his mystical teachings, and instead I just like, oh man, he's tapped out. I'm just going to hurt. I just gave him the information he needed to win, and, and people just don't even they don't even evaluate their own mistakes very well. Yeah, see stuff like that. Well, I I think it's very easy to play magic and go on this sort of like mana screw, mana flood autopilot. Yeah, where you're just like, man, I really hope my opponent gets mana screw. Right? Like we all joke about the thing. Go to five. Go to five. Go to five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's really easy to just sort of go. Well, I'm going to win some percentage of games to this. I'm going to win some percentage of games to this. But like, there are these games where, I, it's something I've actually been trying to work on. Actually, where I I, I feel like I've I can very easily like be drafting and watching tv right you know what i mean and just not really paying attention oh, yeah. moto with scandal on that's how else would you yeah how else would you play how moto else would you either draft Exelon or, or watch scandal, scandal? <laughs> that's that's how it is um you know the, the cw shows are a perfect example of that for me they absolutely are yeah um so but i realized at some point that i was just like autopiloting like okay i'm gonna either win or lose this game like that it's not something i could control so look, there's fighting. There's lasers. People are chasing. Mads Mikkelsen just died. Spoilers. He died, man. I wasn't watching though, so you saw this movie I already. I saw this movie on an airplane. All right. So speaking of an airplane, they're they're boarding one now. <laughs> Gonna escape this planet. Um. But yeah. So it's just it, it's just very interesting to me to be like be more present in a game of magic, and I think that that's you know it's certainly something that. You know, you talk about the Yamling Chung thing, you think about the thing that you just talked about with the mystical teachings, you're like, okay, what happened? You know, to be like present in that moment of like, okay, if I just do this in response to the mystical teachings, will it change what no, he you're does? you're just jumpy, right? You're like, I think that part of it is you... So, I, I know I haven't talked uh, about this with you, but the thing even that I said about Paulo a second ago yeah. comes from a philosophy I developed over the course of the last year, so... Over the course of the last year, I've become like an inhumanly brilliant Tetris player. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like scarily good at Tetris. Like it's just insane. Like I, I always have like two million points. Right, my kids are like, all right, you're pretty good at Tetris. Why don't you play Battle Tetris? Right? I don't even know there's such thing as Battle yeah, Tetris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. So just whatever. I'm like, uh, 
I've become like champion tier at Battle Tetris, right? So like, oh man, you are pretty good at Tetris, right? So it's like it's just, I've just become like so zen at Tetris, and they're just these rules that I came up with. One of them was literally no matter how bad it looks, I've gotten through worse. So, like I'm talking about like you have no lines at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No lines. Not like you have a line, right? There's no lines at the top. If you if you miscalculate your movement by like a millisecond, you will die, right? And then all of a sudden you're just tetrising again and so, like, everything just drops. And down, then the whole yeah. board is gorgeous again, right? But you just you just have to get through it, right? And I think that, that that's part of it. Um what I, what I saw with uh what I saw with that moment with with Paulo. But then the other one is what the hell was the topic? Because there's multiple more. I can't remember what my other freaking rules. I had three three things that I found. What were we talking about? You're just talking about being present while you're playing Magic and, and and trying to find a way to win or like not giving away the loss. Um It's okay, people remember. Yeah, I don't remember now. And that's this whole my whole preamble about freaking Tetris now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you know, wait, I think you were gonna say it's really important to have the long bar piece. I mean, if you only have the long bar piece, you're just always Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right, that, that's that's a little magic. Um, what what uh, what was your TV show of the year? What's your like TV show from 2017? So, I'm gonna give the one that isn't really my TV show, but is thematically excellent for our conversation, which would be Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Okay. So Brian calls that's, me up. It's not a, it's not a new show, but what's the second season? Third season. Oh, third season. Third season has just been airing. Right? So Brian calls me up. And he's just like, have you been watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? And I'm like, uh, no, why would I watch that? And he <laughs> says, it's already your favorite TV show. So I dial it up on Netflix, and lo and behold, it's my favorite TV show. It's like a musical predicated on the idea that there's like this super hot Filipino dude <laughs> that like women should cross the country to, to pursue. It's just the story of my life. <laughs> crazy ex-girlfriend so that's not my real one but um for for sake of argument uh i would say it is i think um huh. if i just say game of thrones is that a cop out oh what about new st- anything new i love the, the shows i care about and i'm real happy to watch scandal game of thrones uh and you don't i love good place i was gonna say good places so i have, I have two shows that are my yeah. Shows of the year, which are, are both new to this year. Good Place, uh, which is, I guess, in its second, second season, season right now. But Good Place, if you haven't watched it, just get it. Find it wherever it is. Binge it up. It's on Hulu. Watch that whole first season and just... Oh, man. And it, watch the whole first season. Don't... I can't, you can't talk about Good Place. But yeah, I, yeah. That's just, just all the spoiler it. by accident. Just watch it. It's great. Uh, and, I, and I love what they did in the second season. So I don't. That's all I'm going to say about Good Place. Everyone, it's great. Kristen Bell is the best, except she's the second best. You think Ted Danson? I think Ted Danson is a national fucking treasure. I agree. And Kristen Bell is when I say Kristen Bell is the best, I mean Kristen Bell is better than Dak Shepard. Like the people that dude won the fucking lottery. (laughs) Okay. First of all, she's in my favorite show of all time. Right. Right. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, which I only started watching because of this podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite show of all time. I still but haven't seen the movie. The it's like movie. an, it's like a below average two hour long episode of Veronica Mars. Okay, but it gives Which you some. Sounds like I would like to watch that. But it would give you some closure. Yeah. Right? So, um, do you know Fola? She's uh Michelle Wang's like best friend. We had an argument about whether or not um, what's his name, who's uh, her boyfriend, looked good in his uh, 
navy uniform or not. I said uh, it didn't fit very well. She's like, you do not understand what a man in uniform looks like. <laughs> Apparently he looked hot in his navy uniform. Okay. Uh, so but then she secretly became like the most successful actress in Hollywood, but nobody realized it, right? Uh, where she's just like headlining everything. Like she's like the heroine of Frozen, which was like this right. the biggest movie. But and like she's quietly always in something that everybody loves all the time. And you just somehow don't notice that she's the star of Bad Moms, right? Or something like that, right? It's like every time. And and she just never stops being in something that you love. And now she's in this TV show that that's I, great. It's it's she's it's great. She is a treasure. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's 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 definitely one of my favorite shows. Uh, the other show, I'm I'm positive you haven't watched it yet, but it is The Deuce. I saw the first episode only. That's the Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, yeah. Prostitution. Jam- New York James uh, James Franco, uh, Maggie Maggie Gyllenhaal, um, Method Man, um, and then just a lot of like bit players from the wire because yeah. it's created by david simon from the wire and george pelicanos from the wire and richard price from, from, the wire. from the wire yeah people who just made the wire and the show is really it's like kind of like a time shifted n- another season of the wire where they're like what if we just instead of it being schools or newspapers or drug dealers or cops this season it's just about is it jimmy smith's I think he's in this, yeah. yeah I think he's in this scene. Uh, it's just about prostitution and, you know, organized crime in the 1970s in New York City. So it's it's actually just my favorite show since The Wire. I think it's phenomenal. <clears throat> I think it's absolutely phenomenal. They just absolutely took their time completely telling the story. Like, it really just doesn't hurry anything. It's just... It, like, nothing happens in the first season. <laughs> Like, and I know that's not, it doesn't sound like an endorsement, but it really is. They just let the characters develop and get, basically take an entire short season to put all the players in place to tell this story about um, Times Square. It's, it's, I, I think it's magnificent. Right, so let me just point something out. In 1977, when Star Wars came out, the rotary phone, was the phone people had, right? Rotary yeah. phones that were plugged yeah. into a wall. Yeah, right? or hung on a wall. Or, yeah. There were two There were two types. There was one that was, like, on the wall mounted and had a rotary dial on its, you know, the face of its body, and then there was a, a receiver so, that hung there, 40 or years, a desktop version. Forty years later, we have innovation of arguably the third, if not second most important technological invention in the history of the human race which is a phone that goes in your pocket that uh, is not only a computer that is many times more powerful than any computer that existed at the time that Star Wars itself was developed, but also is streaming this movie to your TV right now, right? Um, You know, in addition to connecting us basically for free with everyone else in the country or almost anywhere in the world using technologies like FaceTime, you know, uh, there are video game platforms and dating apps and all kinds of stuff that are that are that are you know or podcasts that we're recording from from this. Yeah. Yet in the same span of time, the X-wing fighter is <laughs> this is this is the fighter we have in episode four. This is the fighter we have in episode eight. I, I you know I'm fine with the fighters. My real issue is with the technological. Like, how is there never an ad at recall? 
Like, how is there never an ad? They're like, well, ad ads, they're great, right? Uh, well, actually, they have this uh, big issue with tripping. <laughs> they're pretty vulnerable to tripping. Like string beats them? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they lose to twine. Um, they're I, heavily armored, though. Yeah, they are heavily armored. But, like, let's be, let's be honest. The ad ad has not represented itself well in film. All I'm saying is, it's literally the same. Like, an X-wing fight, you can see Luke has an X-wing fighter, still has an X-wing fighter. Forty years later, okay, like uh, Poe Dameron can solve. He specific. He's can solve any problem by getting an X-wing fighter and shooting at something, <laughs> right? Like, but it's the same thing, right? X-wing fighter was what they used to shoot down the Death Star in Episode Four. Forty years. The phone. I'm just saying, right? Think of the level of miniaturization, in, level of technology. Like, why don't they have a, a better something? In 1977, I had a black and white TV. Yeah. It was a picture tube television that would occasionally stop working, and we would hire a television repairman to come in and replace some of the tubes yeah. inside the a TV, black and white TV to make it work. Yeah. Now you have this thing. Yeah. And if I threw this phone through it, that would suck, but you would snap your fingers and another beautiful TV would appear and it would cost like $200, right? Uh, a little more than that, but yeah. No, they're not expensive, no. Like, they're not like... This one's pretty big. Uh, okay, I didn't mean to be insulting about your TV. I'm just saying that, like, you can get these wonderful TVs yeah. for not that much money. Sure. Versus, I bet you on a relative basis that black and white TV was very expensive. I had that, well, that black and white TV was... That, that, that black and white TV also, by the way was probably in my house for 25 years because my parents had it before I was born. You were hiring a repairman to fix it. I'm just comparing uh, yeah. the cost yeah, of a repairman kind of cr- no, I'm saying to the cost of a new yeah, TV. I'm saying that's just crazy. <clears throat> we had that TV, uh, and then I had it into, like, when we got our color TV, our Zenith, by the way. <laughs> that isn't even a brand that exists anymore. <laughs> the Zenith, that's the, the peak of TVs? There was the Zenith television. We got our Zenith color TV probably somewhere in the 70s. I got the black and white TV, and that became my TV in my room, which I had until, like, the mid-80s. Yeah, I had a, I had a black and white TV and in I had my a, room. And I had a VHS attached to it and an Atari. I would play Atari 2600 in black and white. So I had a black and white TV uh, also in my room up until, like, at least 89. Probably in the early 90s I still had it, like, in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, yeah, from when I was a kid. Early 90s, I was getting married. Um, and then I had a, uh, maybe, yeah, early 90s. And then, but I also had this, an old, an old computer monitor from, like, maybe, like, a Commodore 64 or whatever. And I just made that into my Nintendo entertainment system. (laughs) And I had, I had, I had a set of AV cables I would unplug from the Nintendo entertainment system into a video cassette recorder. Right. Yeah. So that, so we had a broken like video cassette recorder combo with something else, but like the video cassette recorder portion still. What would it have been com- combined with? I don't know. I don't know. Some kind of pl- platform. Did you have a videotape rewinder in your house? Did no, you, I would just did, hit the rewind on. You the guys, DVD. you didn't have a special rewinder. Oh God, you you'd wear out the heads on your VHS tape if you just rewound it. Really? Yeah, it was not good. You needed a rewinder. Jesus, you guys were savages. Barbarian. I'm like one of these people that uh, is uh, going to get bombed by the rebellion here. <laughs> not not a good person at all. So what's your what's your magic? What's your resolution for 2018? 
What's your, what is your magic resolution? It could be a magic resolution. It could be a personal resolution. Um, whatever know. you want. Uh, record Tabe magic 52 times. Okay. We can do that. You keep saying this. We can do it. <clears throat> we can do it. All right. We have to pick a day and like at a scheduled time and then we'll do it. Scare it. Imperial security. Conference. They're flying in. Yeah, I, I find my interest level in Rogue One is pretty low. Yeah. Like, it's just not... But we're not focused on Rogue One. I know, we're but I'm, like, but I'm not getting stuff. drawn into it. You know, I thought I'd be, like, more... I'd be more into it. Yeah. It's it's okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't hate the movie, right? I just didn't... Do you read any recent comics? I haven't. Honestly, I haven't. I, uh, I did buy, on your recommendation, the first couple trades... For um, Batman, Captain Marvel. Oh, I mean, whatever, Miss Marvel, whatever, Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan, yeah. But is that Ms. Marvel or Captain Ms. Marvel? Marvel? It's Ms. Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel is uh, the blonde. Yeah, yeah. Who used Sharon? Not Sharon Ventura. That that Sharon Ventura was also Ms. Marvel, though. Yeah, right. But uh, I bought. Yeah, I bought the first. I bought the uh, Carol Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers. Yeah, I bought the first couple of uh, Kamala Khan's. Uh, they're charming. Aren't they? I haven't read them yet. I, they're sitting so charming. They're sitting in my bag waiting for me. Uh, my favorite, well, my favorite comic of last, my, my favorite comic. I've actually, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta actually just pull the trigger on, I had Marvel Unlimited for a while, but then I didn't anymore. Yeah. Because I switched from uh, an iPad to a different tablet. Yeah. But now that I'm back on my new I iPad. Just, I just I'm read just... it on my phone. Oh, I can't read, I can't read them, it's too small. I, so it was, I actually turn it sideways like this and then expand it and just lateral yeah. it up. And yeah. Um, but, but we can do, we can definitely do uh, 52 podcasts so, next year. Um, my favorite comics of 2016 was a tie between The Wicked and the Divine and The Amazing Spider. I love The Amazing Spider. That's you, Dan Slot. It's fucking awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would recommend... I, I read it starting with Brand New Day when they had, like, the rotation of, like, all those different writers and stuff, but maybe you could just start reading it just from when Dan Slot took over. Sure. I mean, just from the brand new day perspective, you know, Peter and Mary Jane's marriage is erased from history. Then I don't, and then whatever. Yeah. Because I think, like, Joe Casada decided that married people weren't interesting. Like, that was, like, really the thing. So right? it's, very fu- it's very funny, though. Like, I remember as a kid, you would watch TV shows, right? Yeah. And uh, so, for example, Get Smart. Yeah. Right? It was always on in syndication. I love Get Smart. I love Get Smart. Uh, silence. And Get Smart had Max Smart, Agent 86, yep. and Agent 99. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was also I Dream of Jeannie, which had Jeannie and uh, Major Nelson, right? Was it Major? J.R. Ewing. J.R. Ewing, right? Major Nelson. Major Healy was the sidekick, right? Yeah, Major Nelson. And um, the dynamic of the show was always like this sort of like flirtation between the two characters or whatever but in both shows at the end of their runs they got married they got married right genie and major nelson got married and uh 86 and 99 got married and to me as as a kid i was just like oh it was my first like the the concept jump the shark didn't exist yet yeah fonzie had not yet actually jumped the shark shark. (laughs) but in my brain and this is like as like a five-year-old mm-hmm. or a six-year-old. I was just like, yeah, this show's dead to me. 
I tell you, Bella developed atheism at age five. Yeah. I told you that. Story. Yeah, I'm such a big Bella fan because yeah. of that. You know that. Oh, I told John that story. He's like, when did she turn 18? And I'm like, that was not an appropriate <laughs> counter question. <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> like, I just told you she was five. Do the math, blackjack champion. <laughs> Jesus. 13 years from the day I told you. Um, anyway. It was kind of a good <laughs> question yeah yeah it was very funny and i was just like how how would i think about john as a son-in-law no thank you <laughs> no thank you to be like 60 yeah wow um uh so anyway um yeah so you just thought you know married people weren't interesting and then i mean i guess they did done like funny stuff like when Peter and Johnny Storm were living together. Johnny Storm hooking up with a, uh, with MJ. Like, that's like a... Because, I mean, it's freaking MJ and it's Johnny Storm. He's the hottest guy in the Marvel Universe. How could you not, right? But their marriage has been erased from history. I would, right? I would have canceled the Fantastic Four, too. <laughs> they did. I, I they would have, too. I mean, Hickman. You never read... I gave you all my Hickmans, didn't I? I think you did. I might. You want them back? You haven't read them, have you? I have. They're, it's so wonderful. I think he's great. He's exactly great. No, then did you read Secret Wars? It's no. just like it, Secret Wars is really just Hickman's end yeah. of Fantastic Four. Because, but he was he was he stopped writing Fantastic Four and they wrote Avengers for like three years or whatever. But that's Secret, all the Illuminati stuff and yeah. So, but Secret Wars is really like we're killing the Fantastic Four. Jonathan, right, right, their end, right, and it's really that's the end of the Fantastic Four. That's the. You know, Doctor Doom wins. It starts with Doctor Doom starting. Is, is Fantastic Four um, Fox? Yeah. So the Fantastic Four and the X Men are both back in the MCU. Might come back, right? I mean, so for the listeners who don't know, the Fantastic Four is the. They're not the first superhero team because there's Justice Society, right? But they're the first modern superhero team. They're, they're, they're commonly thought as the first family of Marvel Comics, right? They're my, they're my team. Like, you know, when I, kids growing up all love the X-Men. I love the FF. That was my team. I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo. No, I love, I love the FF. Like me, like, me and my kids, like, I was like, like, I think, I don't think Valeria Richards is probably Bella's favorite superhero, but she's probably on the short list, you know, like, the Reed Richards' super smart daughter, you know, and, and they're a family, and they, like, it's weird, like, Reed has white hair, but Johnny is still always young and virile, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Like, Reed is white hair, but Sue always looks awesome in spandex, no matter how many children she's birthed, right? Despite the fact that their children are, like, old enough to, you know, do adventures and be in school and stuff. But whatever, it's, it's comics time. Um, but Reed keeps getting older. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of them, you don't know. Uh, but, so, Hickman took over after Mark Wade, and they didn't know what was going to happen, because Jonathan Hickman, who was... Who finished one spot ahead of me in Comic Book Idol? People are yeah, yeah. one spot ahead of me. Of course, I still converse with him infrequently, um, but he's a big star now, right? So, yeah, yeah, huge. Uh, so they gave it to him, but they took off World's Greatest Comic Magazine from Fantastic Four. I don't know if you know. They took it off. Yeah. They were like, you know, he's coming off of Mark Wade and Brian Hitch. Like, we really don't know, right? Because he wasn't. He was an unknown quantity at sure. this point, and he writes one of the most beautiful stories. It's absolutely unbelievably good. This like multiple, maybe four year arc on on the Fantastic Four. It's just exploration of like family and like he tells a story about cities, but also a city a story about universes. And you know, what, oh, yeah, if you have Galactus as a pet, 
right? Like he, he also, <clears throat> by the way, I think returned the Fantastic Four to its roots. to greatness. To, but but to its roots, because the Fantastic Four used to be this book where it's like we're gonna go back in time and things gonna become Blackbeard, <laughs> and then the next episode we're gonna fight Annihilus in the Negative Zone, and oh, next episode we're gonna thing is gonna fight the Yancey Street Gang, right? And it would be like all these kind of like wildly disparate tonal stories. Also, in this, like, very, like, almost DC-like disconnectedness, like, where the, these crazy things would happen. And Hickman actually returned. Like, there was stuff that would happen for just one issue that was so wild. My, I think my favorite moment is, like, I mean, this is years ago, so it's not really that spoilery. But, like, they switched from Fantastic Four to ff future foundation because one of the fantastic four dies at the end of the, the so he has this multiple year run which is fantastic four one of them dies it switches to ff uh future foundation and then then it's two books after that right so johnny storm dies at the end and they're like and the arc is called three but you don't know who dies but it's johnny storm and the last issue is this silent issue and i just did a silent issue because he's jonathan hickman and he's like this is how good of a writer i am i'm gonna write the best comic of the year without any dialogue in it and there's just this scene of like these two men like walking in the rain with like ben Grimm, and then like one of them like hits a stick on the ground and he's thor and the other one hulks out and they just beat the shit out of each other like in the middle of the rain it's just like it's weird because it's like like they just but get super and like the only way that they can express like grief over oh, wow. Johnny's death that is just like to fucking kill each other in the rain and it's just like so because vis- there's just these scientists you know right. like like Bruce Banner like Donald Blake is a doctor right Bruce Banner is like a doctor right and there's just like psh, like thunder hits and just fucking killing each other right. and like that's the and it's it it and there's no words. You're just like, and then they just like hug it out. And it's just like, what the hell did I just read? Like, this is, it's unbelievable. Um, but then I actually said in the last year, you could have picked, because he knew he only had 12 issues left in him. So he's just going to write these 12 stories. I told Matt Wanger that you could just grab, I think, any four of the last year of Pikmin's Fantastic Four. And any, any one of them was the best comic of the year. It was like, uh, there's like Nazi Fantastic Four. I can't remember, like, there's Nazi Fantastic Four. There's just like some super future where, you know, Franklin is the last superhero. It's. How much do you think Hickman's Fantastic Four informed uh, Rick and Morty? I hadn't thought about it. I think a ton. Yeah. I think. I'm sure Dan Harmon read it. I think a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the Council of Ricks. I mean, yeah. Council of Reeds, Council of Dooms, like it's, uh, yeah, man, it's you sh- whatever you do, you should read this. You okay. should be Marvel Unlimited and read it. Um, that's good. So anyway, well, then what happens is the Marvel movies really hit it out of the park over this arc, right? Yeah. So um, they they they're still like plausibly publishing X Men comics at this point, right? <laughs> and then they're like, wait a minute, uh, you know, in the entire we post a hundred and thirty thousand dollars in profit or something, right? Like they're not making that much money on comics. And but like one movie is worth a billion dollars to us, right? Yeah. So we need to get control of the X-Men franchise. But what they they sold the X-Men franchise for one million dollars. Yeah, right? It was something it's the worst the worst yeah. deal ever that kept their company alive to be in the position to make a billion dollars, right? So so just out of spite. They cancel the Fantastic Four so that the Fantastic Four movie that came out a few years ago wouldn't get any additional press. Like, 
Can you imagine this? This is the most storied comic franchise they have. And they're like, we're canceling it just in case another person would have gone to see their movie. <laughs> like, that's what that's horrible, right? Yeah. So then they haven't had Fantastic Four comics since the entire time. And so uh, but they're like, all right, we don't have Fantastic Four comic, but we want to say goodbye. So Secret Wars was Jonathan Hickman's goodbye to the Fantastic Four. And he takes it apart, man. It's it's tears and everything. And man, Esad Ribic, you read Thor God of Thunder? No. But you've talked about it. Highest before. possible recommendation. I I don't know, man. Made me want to switch religions to Viking. <laughs> Vikings is back, by the way. New season. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I mean like I mean, I had a religious experience reading a comic book about a comic book Norse god. Is this uh who's writing it? Um, is it Jason Aaron? Jaren, Jason Aaron. Yeah, he's very he's very good. I've read a couple of his books. Like Southern Bastards or No, no, his like Oh, prose novels? Prose novels, yeah. Shit, I don't read stuff that doesn't have pictures. <laughs> um by the way, we were talking about resolutions. Yeah. Mine for twenty eighteen is to get two comic books out. Oh. Not two issues, but two, two. actual titles. And I'm I am I am very close to the first one. I so. am excited to hear about that. Is it yeah. the thing that you showed me? Yeah, yeah. The totally unstuck adventures of Anachronos. I've seen it. It's it's very beautiful. Yeah. I have that, and then I have another one. Brian sends me these pages, but I give comments back, and I'm just all the comments are about the art. And then he's just like, "Did you read the story?" I'm like, "Was I supposed to?" Sure. <laughs> and then the story is actually really charming. It's it's like a it's like a, a YA. Yeah, like, I, would, I, would, I, I would say it's I, yeah, totally. It's it's basically uh, the inspiration on my is my two are my two nieces, and yeah. also the artist is taking inspiration from his daughters. Um, so, uh, you know, I have one niece and she's actually aspiring to be a young adult writer and she has a daughter now who's eight and they're both awesome. And so, uh, there's a lot of adult niece. I do. Well, I mean, she's not very, I mean, she's not very adult. (laughs) She sounds like she has a daughter. She does have a daughter. Um, but, uh, you know, she's in her twenties. So, um. Uh, yeah, How are you putting my it baby out? brother's a grandfather. I mean, crazy. What? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, a lot of people got started early in my family. <laughs> um, you uh, so how are you putting it out? Uh, it's gonna be released digitally. Uh, we're gonna do, I believe we're gonna do a Kickstarter for the first issue, maybe the first two issues, and then uh, the goal is to uh, collect it as a print edition when we finish the first uh, story. That sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. It's a part of my brain that I, I haven't used in a decade. You know, that sort of creative. I did a lot of that with Emergence, where working with Steve Ellis and coming up with superheroes and doing stuff, and for you know using Were them you in games. Were you inspiring to do some sort of stuff with Emergence? I, I, I'm still, I'm still looking to do stuff with them. We released the game, which no, I'm no, so I mean, a, about. A, uh, yeah, a there, story there stuff. is, there is some story stuff I'd like to do with it, but I mean, Steve, Steve is a. Uh, Steve is really sort of my default artist for that. He's very, uh, he's very busy. And, busy and doing his, something else, he right? His own, he has his own projects. So uh, I, I know we would like to find a way to work together on it, but right now it's not, uh, it's not my first, it's not going to be his first priority, so it's not going to be mine. I would, you know, I have, and I'm super excited about working with this guy, Jesse, who happens to also be a Magic player, so, which is kind of cool. All right, so, oh, whoa, are X-Wings attacking a planet? 
Oh, he just smashed against this force field. Yeah, it doesn't really work out well for them. All right, here we go. X wings against star destroyers. All right, let's let's switch gears. X wings against stars. The rebel fleet has arrived. What? They're fighting on the beach. No, you can't just read the subtitles. <laughs> Walk down the base. Stop it. They've closed the shield gate. This is this is not a uh, this is not a successful experiment. Um, but there's 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 definitely stuff happening. There's guys talk looking at each other, long long looks to a robot. <laughs> um, come on, let's go back to the X-wing fighters. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's a lot of uh, the themes of Star Wars are poor marksmanship. On, only on the part of stormtroopers. Sure, but poor marksmanship. Outstanding marksmanship on the part poor, of smugglers. <laughs> poor marksmanship. You're a pirate? Um, Boom. Rapid marching down corridors and huddling in corridors. Those are, I think, the three primary themes. What about of ninja priests with laser swords? Uh, there's some of that. Never enough. There's never enough of that. It's like, I would call that a sub theme. Yeah. And I guess robots are also a big theme. I think, do you think it's just about slavery? I mean, like, R2-D2 is, like, smarter and more noble than almost any sapient character, and he's basically just, like, a slave, right? Uh, I would argue that he is... Oh, there's AT-AT. Let's see what happens to these Let's see what happens. Are they going to... If a single AT-AT falls down... All right, so he's got like a rocket launcher. He's going to shoot down that AT-AT. Okay, but that's the other sort of downside of AT-ATs is they are not really... All right, so that AT-AT, like the rocket launcher barely hurt the AT-AT. Yeah, but they're and also just oh, like... Oh, 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 oh. But you also know they're coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, AT-ATs are not like some... They're like, okay, this AT-AT's going to oh, be here. Hold on, did those X-Wings mess up the AT-ATs? Yeah. Wait, X-Wings beat AT-ATs? Not on Hoth. Well, I thought the armor was too deep. Well, I guess they found a, a neck hole. They got it in the neck hole. What, do they have Jedi marksmen or something? Yeah, they are. But here, that's the thing. It's like, AT-ATs are just, like, way too vulnerable. Wait, it's like, does AT, do AT-ATs have, like, a speed attack mode? Is no, there, like, can they, they run? fall over. Yeah, so no. Yeah, AT-ATs Isn't AT-AT, like, a giant cat? What is AT-ATs it? AT-ATs suck. What if it was called a cat-cat? They'd be better. I mean, they'd be stealthier. How stealthy it is made of metal. I, I, I hate AT-ATs. I, I think they're stupid. All right. Here we go. So the whole rebel fleet is there above this planet now. Keep trying against those star destroyers. <laughs> That's how he talks. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I, I, this movie is fine to me. I don't know. No, this is like a space battle. I like a space battle. All right. They're shooting at this circle of metal. I, I guess my problem with a lot of the Star Wars movies is the inevitability of things. It's so it's my problem with a lot. It's not just Star Wars movies, right? It's like superhero movies. It's with almost anything. All right. right, right. So they're shooting at the Adat's leg. Yeah. Is that what's going? Hold on. Yes. All right. So they're so... shooting at the leg. Oh! oh! <laughs> <laughs> Falling Adat, down. Adat down. All right. That's they're Adat. That Adat got messed up. Yeah. See, Adat sucks. Wait, so wait. So just. Jets are like way too like maneuverable or whatever the X wings. Just... Yeah, and they're able to shoot at the knees. By the way, this is my take. I was asked, someone asked me the question like, "What is the largest animal you think you could take in a fight?" And Star Wars has taught me 
Yeah. That it's a giraffe. <laughs> I could totally take a giraffe. Uh, Star Wars taught you that. Because it's like they're like adats. They're like furry adats. <laughs> right? You just have to take down one freaking leg on a giraffe, and then you can uh, right. you can figure out their soft underbelly. Stormtroopers coming. It's like Omar coming, right? Yeah. Wait, stop. The rebels, they went over there. It's a good trick. Uh-oh. This guy's going to get messed up. Oh, he's fighting the stormtroopers. All right. I do like that scene, actually. All right. Oh, all right. That's it. Oh, he lived. Yeah, okay. ro- robots, robots killing people is uh, kind of an interesting <laughs> conundrum. I mean, they're it's clones, kind of right? kind of like kind of like, but it falls outside of like Asimov's kind of take on robots, right? Oh, yeah, but this is a different universe. All right, so there's uh, Y wing fighters here. I, I never really understood like what's the difference between X wing fighters and Y wing fighters and. Are Y wing fighters bombers? Oh wow, that's an f ton of Tie fighters. There's like way more Tie fighters than there are rebels. Let's get out of here. Which did you see Star Wars first, Mike? Star Wars. When you saw like New Hope, was yes. that the first movie you saw of, the, of, series? of the series? Yeah. yeah, I was born in '76. I saw it before I saw Empire. Okay, I saw Empire. Both saw them both in the theater. I mean, it, back then they would just show old movies, like quote unquote old movies in the yeah, theater. Yeah, we, yeah. we didn't have like VHS cassettes yet. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, every summer they would the, the, there was a theater that would just show like every Disney movie. All right. Like they would just do every Disney. It's kind of crazy that they don't do that. As I guess there's some of that, but it was like a big. It was a big deal. But I guess you just have VHS tapes now and laser discs and Netflix and Hulu and everything else so i guess there's no need to go i just like the communal experience of seeing a movie yeah although interestingly i am very consciously not seeing star wars last jedi until this weekend because i don't want people around when i go see it oh the booing will <laughs> drown out your pleasure did people boo the boo when you saw it no i saw it with matt wang he's a homer did people boo? Did people boo in the theater? What was the theater? What was the reaction in the theater when you saw? No it? one said any. We got up and said nothing. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Nobody said anything. And then we were out in the hallway, and Matt was just like, "I loved it." I yeah. remember seeing um, Star Wars one, whatever. What's that one called? New again? Hope. A New Hope. No, it's just called Star Wars. No, no, Star oh, Wars Phantom New- Menace. Phantom Menace. I remember seeing Phantom Menace, and uh, so this is whatever year that was. Nineteen ninety nine. I had neutral ground. And I went with um, another couple. I went with my wife and another couple. Your wife's seen Star Wars movies? She went to see... She's seen them all now, by the way. Okay. Except, you know, she, she watched all the, the New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. She loved them, uh, ultimately. She hadn't seen them at that point, but she just went to go with me and to have that experience. And I went with another, maybe two other couples. I don't remember, but we saw it at the Ziegfeld on opening night. Is that still a theater anymore? No, I no. saw Spectre there. I think that was the yeah. last movie they were. And we were super excited and super hyped up. I also saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit there, which was very cool. But anyway, we, so we see the movie, and we come out, and we're just like all hyped. We're like, oh my god! It's new Star Wars! Huh? Right? And then we go down the block to the bar, yeah, and we have a drink, and we're just like all quiet. <laughs> right? We're just like, we were just all hyped up that we saw this Star Wars movie and super excited. And then finally I was like, someone's gotta say it. Everyone's like, no, no. I was like, let's get more drinks. I'm like, someone's got to say it. 
Like, you know, everyone's like, no, 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 let's do shots, you know? And finally I'm like, it sucked. And they're like, oh, it did. It really <laughs> sucked. Like, we were just like trying to have this momentum from yeah. the movie of just loving it. Oh, it just, it sucked. I didn't think it sucked. It sucked. So I it think was so, it's, it. There's a lot of stuff wrong with that movie. So Rob Hahn yeah, of right. Schools of Magic also didn't think it sucked. And then I sat down and talked to him for an hour, yeah. and he said it sucked. Yeah, he, he they wrote that review on the dojo right before I moved to New York. What's with that? The broken lightsaber. Right? I remember it pretty well. I was you know about to dedicate my life to this website. So <laughs> uh, I don't think it sucked. I'll tell you why. Um, I think that they do a remarkable job of show don't tell in terms of the unstoppability of the Jedi, and that like it, before Episode One. All we've seen are basically old men or an untrained boy with great talent or like someone whose body has been decimated by lightsaber battle and robot parts. And those guys are all in one way or another remarkable in their ability to, you know, inflict their will on the universe around them. It's the first time when we see that opening scene on Naboo with Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan is a Padawan. Like, these are the Jedi in their prime. And they can do the impossible effortlessly, and they do so over and over again in the early scenes of the movie. I think that, and, they, and it's just nothing to them, right? They just don't make a big deal about it. They're just doing the impossible over and over again. And I think it is remarkably well done. I think that almost everything else about the movie is not very good. But I think that is wonderful. And I think that the fight scenes are really fantastic between Darth Maul and the Jedi. By the same token, I think in episode two, I think they do a great job of, of illustrating without talking about it the fall of the Jedi, right? And like you have all those Jedi in that arena and they get their butts kicked by guys with guns. Like that should never have. The Jedi in episode one are unstoppable, right? But then this represents the vanity of the Jedi and like, how could you have a situation where, like, two Jedi could knock over an entire planet? How could two Sith possibly take over the galaxy? Only the Jedi have to fall very far for that to happen. And I think that they do a really good job with the Jedi. I think they're just not. I, I, I honestly, honestly, I've not seen two and three. Yeah. In their enti entirety, I, I've watched them on TV in bits and pieces, so I can't even tell you. But Phantom Menace was such a bad movie. It was such a it's, letdown in terms of what a Star Wars movie should could be that I, I just I never so I didn't the watch fan the ratings movie. on Phantom Menace on Rotten Tomatoes are two percent higher than the fan ratings on Last Jedi. Just in case you were wondering. All right, well we'll see. I'm gonna watch it. I I, I again I enjoyed Rogue One and I really liked the Force Awakens. I love the Force. Awakens. Force Awakens to me sort of really captured that same. Um, reckless abandon that the first Star Wars movie had for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, but Force Awakens is a remake of episode four. Uh, yeah, I agree. But it, it did it in a way that just like reconnected me to that joy of watching a Star Wars movie. It's wonderful. The one thing I would say that in criticism of Force Awakens, which isn't, which is from your perspective, maybe not even a criticism, is that they threw away everything that was good about the prequel series when they made the Force Awakens. Yeah, that's not a problem for me. Like, that was very that was a very deliberate you thing that they did. No, no, no. I don't mind throwing away the things that are bad about the prequels, but the th they throwing away the things that are good about the prequels, I don't like that very much. 
And what I'd say about that is like, man, I hate the prequels. Like the Jedi are so competent in the prequels versus like, like Luke is a bumbling buffoon in the original trilogy, right? It's a kid making bad decision after bad decision. The Jedi in the prequel trilogy are like super good at their jobs and they're like confident and making the right decisions on a consistent basis and they fight really well. Like Kylo Ren is the second most powerful Sith Lord in the galaxy or whatever, right? He gets his butt kicked by an untrained girl, right? That's not a good spot to be in, right? <laughs> like it's, I don't care if she's like the, second coming of luke skywalker or whatever she's supposed to be thematically no one even taught her how to swing a lightsaber right and he's supposed to be the the scariest dude with his crossbar or whatever and you know that i think that's not that's not a good it's not it's it's not good respectful storytelling okay yeah but for i mean for me the biggest problem with with just um God, what was the first movie called again? Phantom Menace. Man, I, I've blocked just it out. Just Jar Jar and the Gungans. No, it's not even Jar Jar. It's it's like how they handle Anakin Skywalker. Oh, how Jesus! They... Jesus Anakin is lazy. Uh, how they handle? Like, first of all, why why did we need to have this completely just adorbs Anakin baby character? Like, why can't he just be the same age? As uh, because they have to come, they have to, they have to reconcile it with uh, Obi Wan's introduction to Anakin in A New Hope. So he says he's known him since he was a boy. He was already a great pilot. So you know what? You know who's also a boy? A fourteen-year-old. So, like, why can't he just be like? Why can't we just get him? Why? Why do we have to? I I just it just I just drives me crazy. Like. There's just a lot of things they could. Have done. I think that they're forcing out due to continuity. I think that's yeah, the. But it doesn't have to be. But okay, that's fine. I just hated it. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, in some ways, The Last Jedi is a good movie. In many, many, many other ways, it is not a good movie. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We'll look, look, we'll do another one of these uh, in the week between Christmas and New Year. Okay. And I will have seen The Last Jedi at that point. And and we can and we can talk about it. Uh, Deflector shield is down to fifty percent. <laughs> he is a fish head. <laughs> Space battles are so silly. Yeah, they, they're again from you know the the pro- part of the problem is just their inevitability, right? Like, what what was the last time you know you were surprised? I mean, they they're battle? messing the hell up out of this star destroyer. You watch the Expanse. I saw the first season, but I, I missed the entire second season. Is it on Amazon? I don't know. It should be, right? It's oh, so man, good. They just messed up the Star, the star Story. Is it going to fall into the shield? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, this is none of this is how gravity works. That's actually, it's actually kind of annoying. Again, you can't. <laughs> Look, gravity will conveniently work the way that I want it to work. Just because they shut they shut down the Star Destroyer doesn't make it suddenly start falling at the planet. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it's no, you, you, it's not available on Amazon Prime. Season one available on Amazon Prime. It looks like it is. Oh my god, the expanse is so good. It's so it's Game of Thrones in space, right? Yeah. 
I, I, I think it's, I, I, I might like, man, I, I'm re I really love the expanse. So I don't know, but are we, are we staying through the end of this movie? Well, it's almost the end. The force is with me. He's one with the force. So is the force just dark matter? Right? It's the everything that's between everything. That's how they explain it. I don't know. It's dark matter. Like I don't need I don't ever need the force to be explained. Yeah. I mean, that was also one of my problems with the with the with the prequels. There was there was this compulsion to explain the star you know, the force. It just didn't didn't but need it's to it's the happen. Jedi religion. But that's fine. But you know what? You don't need to like I mean, not to, you know, be an atheist here, but, like, God doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> Judeo-Christianity is, like, a lot of nonsense. It just makes no sense. And no one tries to really explain it, right? You just like, sort of, eh, we believe this, right? Like, people try to put more effort into explaining this than they do Scientology. All right, so Corvette 5 is bracing for impact. Are they going to ram this Star Destroyer? That's what they do? Wouldn't that... I guess it's a ramming ship? What? It's very small compared to the Star Destroyer. Yeah, well, tugboats are pretty small. And they move boats. Much bigger than them. Okay. They're just, they're small but mighty. All right. She's coming out. There's a What was fight. she? What's her other movie? Like, what's her big claim to fame? I always forget. Isn't she in the Stephen Hawking movie? Oh, yeah. She won the Oscar? I think she might be an Oscar winner. I've never seen that movie. Uh, it's not based on Stephen Hawking's writings. It's based on his wife's memoir. But it won a ton of Academy Awards, right? And she's very good. She's good. No, it's just Felicity Jones, so... I think she's in the Stephen The Theory of Everything? Yeah. I think she won the Academy Award for it. Yeah. All these things I said are true. She's also Felicia Hardy, the black cat. In what? In The Amazing Spider-Man 2. She doesn't actually, uh, I guess, turn into... They just call her Felicia. She's like the next door neighbor. But she's actually, I, I assume, was being set up... Oh, if they didn't ...to be the, the black cat. All right, so this tugboat is pushing... See, look, this doesn't make any sense. Look, how can it do... Why doesn't it tear itself to bits? Very strong. Oh, here it goes. Look, this is baller, actually. All right. Because gravity works this way for this scene. <laughs> A tugboat has pushed two Star Destroyers into each other. Have I you watched her Doctor Who? She's in an episode of Doctor Who, too. Her? Yeah, Felicity Jones. Wh which episode? Well, you'll just know the episode by name. Yes. I didn't watch any of the last season. I'm probably not. What's the name of the other? That doesn't say. She plays Robina Redmond. What episode? I'm gonna. I have to now go to some other. Keep talking about do do silly voices. All right. No, please don't. You know who I am. Please don't. I'm Jen Erso. Let's see. Daughter of Galen and Lyra, you've lost. Oh, I have, have I? The Unicorn and the Wasp. The Unicorn and the Wasp is the episode uh, where I had 
I think they meet Agatha Christie. Ooh. I think that's who's that. the doctor for that. Uh, I want to say David Tennant. Oh, I have, I you know I actually could go back. I should go back and watch the David Tennant episodes because I've never actually watched the of non Stephen Moffat ones. You watch Blink, right? I watched Blink. Well, that was the first thing. So that was my way into Doctor Who. Um, Family of Blood is that same season. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's a two part episode. But yeah, so she's that's her. That was one of her early credits. All right, so. Yeah, it's good to check. I think I think they meet Agatha Christie. It's either they meet Agatha Christie or they meet one of the queens. Um, but it, it's uh, she's I, also I in eleven episodes that. of The Worst Witch. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I guess it's a Disney show. All right, she's got a big smile on her face. They're transmitting the signal. Admiral, receiving transmission from Scott. Yay! We've done it. So what? What is your all-time favorite movie, Mike? Mulholland Drive. Is it really? Yeah. Still? That's did you watch Did you watch Twin Peaks? No. Nor the new one. You never watched either I've one? I've never seen any of it. Apparently, so Mulholland Drive was a failed TV pilot, and right. somebody gave me a copy of the failed TV pilot. It's like the same thing, but without the... Le- the lesbian isn't love story is so... Isn't it also so based on a graphic novel? No, I don't think so. A very graphic novel, if you've seen Mulholland Drive. Uh, I mean, what what should be my favorite movie? Not I don't know. I was just, I was just. Uh, my favorite action movie is probably Kill Bill Volume Two. Okay. Um, Reasonable. I like Kill Bill Volume Two a lot. I really dislike Kill Bill Volume One. Interestingly. Uh, Kill Bill Volume Two is the one that has the horrible reading of Batman versus Superman. It's atrocious. But um, it is atrocious. It is an atrocious misunderstanding of both of those characters. I mean, Kill but Bill. That's fine. Kill Bill Volume One is good. I think. I, I just thought Why it would be. Hate it? I, I well, I don't hate it. I just found it to be I mean, like it totally steals that scene from Neil Gaiman. It's just this like, just like carnography. It's just like it's not actually just. I just I just felt like it was just like an excuse to to have gouts of blood shooting all over well, the he's, place. He's just I yeah. oh the Death Star has appeared in the sky. You may fire when ready. Uh oh. Planet-sized gun. Too many Death Stars. Commence primary ignition. This screen is crazy good, Ryan. You must have an insane TV. Uh, Tony Sai actually just upgraded his TV, so I took his TV. Okay. And my previous TV was okay. Yeah. It's nothing compared to the one that I have now, which I've had for a week, which yeah. is Tony's cast-off TV. Yeah. Right? Which is um, probably like about like it's this. It's not TV. as nice as yours, I think. I'm it's like, pretty big. This is like a generation, multiple generations. Mine, it's mine's like, probably like three or four years. Old. This isn't like 4K or anything like that. No, I think they got a 4K because they're cheap now, right? Like when I say cheap, I mean like these technologies are ridiculous relative to what. Yeah. You know, you got five to watching, years ago. To knowing that Get Smart had jumped the shark in black yeah. and white. So here we go. Well, we we succeeded, but the planet's going to be blown up because the Death Star. Shot it. All right, here it comes. But forget about the fact that they just crashed a Star Destroyer through the planetary shield. That would have not been happy for the people living on the planet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Death of the Dinosaurs, anyone? The, yeah. The, those Star Destroyers are bigger than, you know. Than the meteor that killed the dinosaurs? Yeah. So, bigger than the Star of... Would that be the Star Destroyer of Extinction? It would be. Um, I mean, you could just crash a TIE fighter at light speed into the side of the planet. It would crack the planet Right, it would have infinite mass, so it would be like cracking, but hitting a planet with a 
sun at light speed. I do. I do. I actually really do like this. This scene. I like the ending of Rogue One a lot more than the actual rest uh, of the movie. Rest of the movie. So you like when people get hit by the giant planetized nuke? No, I mean, I just like movies to not have these kind of like expected. I mean, obviously, everything in Rogue One is an expected ending because you know exactly where things go a moment later. All right, so <laughs> this is a remarkably well-done scene. All right, so Jen has just, has just shipped the Death Star plans. We're changing perspective away from the planet. So the Death Star has just blown up the planet because, you know, Grand Morph Tarkin is mad. And they have the 1970s computer, computer graphics because that's how they looked <laughs> in episode four, right? So these guys are running with the, with the plans. And if you, you maybe halfway recognize them, because this is the opposite side of the opening scene yeah, in episode this is four. Yeah, so, this is so good. This is an unbelievably well-done scene. Yeah, this is, this is really the, the payoff for this yeah, whole movie. Yeah, this is movie. So, you know, dark, dark hall, and then the red lightsaber illuminates the dark hall. These guys start shooting at him, and Vader just effortlessly deflecting all the blaster fire. And this guy's like, help us. Ah. He's like force hurling people. This guy's like, gotta get the plans out. Vader's coming through the hall. The rebels are just doing <laughs> nothing to stop him. He's just killing everybody. Force choking. God, this guy has to get the plans out of there. Get the plans out. Go, go, go. Take it, take it. Uh, Vader just eviscerates this guy. They're... This is like such a great like. Yeah, it's a great like, scene. Keep what is it like hot potato keep away scene? Yeah, they're just like get and then release this ship and it's like a ship. Uh, off sauce. Yeah, it's so well done. And he's just like, ooh, what is that ship? And we're just standing here looking out into space. Out into space. <laughs> Would I die of exposure? Yes. <laughs> is this monstrous degree cold? Yes. Yes. <laughs> just standing there, no problem. Right. Yeah. So. This is this is really so good. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, that really is the payoff to the, to the end of that episode. And then, this I think is kind of brown butter though. This is cheap thrills. Brown butter. Brown butter. What's brown? What is that? I've never it's, heard it's that. It's the joke on Top Chef. You want to win the? You want to win your week? You you cook something with brown butter. Oh, are you watching Top Chef this season? I'm not on a TV. Jeez. And I tell and I tell you what happened. So Verizon. I'm sorry. PJ. <laughs> so Verizon gave us some crazy ass bill. They claimed we had like 11 routers or something, right? Like, it's just obviously it's some stupid glitch, right? So they give us a $700 bill, right? So we call them and we're like, we don't have 11 routers, right? This is not a real charge. And they're like, you're right. And they just keep hot potatoing us off. Yeah. And then like, oh, someone will resolve this, right? Someone will resolve this. But they're not resolving it. And then they like put us into collections for like the $700. What? Yeah, it's stupid. Right, so Catherine just like f this, and she just like sent everything home to to Verizon. We don't have cable or anything. We just so we just got RCN high speed internet. I guess we could buy cable or whatever, but right now we're just Huluing it and Amazon priming it. And I think when game comes back, we'll have to reengage some sort of. Shut up! <laughs> you can get someone's password for HBO now or whatever HBO. Oh, well, I guess we could. Do- <laughs> that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah I, I would feel kind of bad doing that. Yeah, like, I mean, I, mean, you I wouldn't just, want to, you wouldn't want somebody to steal you your just, content. Yeah, of course. You you know who 
basically runs licensing for HBO. Yeah, I know. Will Pop. Yeah. Oh, it's not cheating if I ask Will Pop. <laughs> That's a good point, Brian. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, was Top 8 Magic. Two hours and seven minutes. That which is magic. apparently the runtime for Rogue One. <laughs> Rogue One. <laughs> two hours and seven minutes. And, and, you know, if this seems like weird, this is basically how Mike and I would watch a movie normally. <laughs> I think we actually we just always do this move. If we like, if we like, we could do a Skype thing. Be like, ready, set, go. And then we like hit the button at the same time. Yeah. We just, I can't see anything going wrong with that. Same. Yeah. We don't have very strong imaginations, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. To I thought I hope you liked it. Thanks to Canada. Yeah. That was that was that was a really weird year in review. But you know that's fine. What did we review? <laughs> We talked about some comics and TV. What, what, what TV did you say you liked this year? I, good said, place. I said The Good Place and, 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 and The Deuce. And the Deuce. Just I, in terms of two new shows, I think. That and then what movie did you like of 2017? John Wick 2. We talked about John Wick 2. We talked about um, Wonder Woman, Logan. We didn't really say best movie of 2017. Did you like Orient Express? I haven't seen it yet. I liked it a lot. I'm going <gasps> to... Shit. You know what movie I think you would love? What's that? Logan Lucky. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. That's the Soderbergh. My kids both loved it. Yeah, it's Soderbergh. I mean, I, I'm, it's, I'm default in love with all Soderbergh movies. I I don't want to ruin He's it. like my favorite filmmaker of okay. all time. He's like what people, like people just talk about the Coen brothers and they're like, and I love the Coen brothers. Is Soderbergh also like Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I like he's this more the, than any movie I've just, ever seen. He's just that. got the widest range of filmmaking I, abilities. Have you ever seen Side Effects? No. <sighs> I really like this movie. Yeah, you should watch that. I think you should. I think. What did I tell you to watch? The Shallows. Yeah. So you're tonight. You're gonna watch The Shallows and Logan Lucky. I'm right. You gotta have a lot of LaCroix. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. That's it. Thanks, Canada.